Hola amigos, es tus favorito podcast Dead E Lovely con tus amigos, es mi Tio Ben, es mi Hollywood Esteban. <laughs> Gosh, I'm sorry, Steve. I must have just slipped into my remedial college yeah. Spanish that I had there for a second. It came right back to you. Oh, my Lord. I, you were I've, like... I've been in that, that Cartagena, Colombia all week. Yeah, donde esta la biblioteca? Comida. You know? Hey, where's the comida? Where's... Hey, y'all seen the comida? Mm-hmm. That's right. I've, I've just been in dang old South America all week. Yeah. Espanola in mi cabeza. <laughs> So, Columbia <laughs> was pretty cool. It was the shit. Myself yeah. and Andy Wood and our band of, of merry men went down there to play the, I think it's the sixth annual Cartagena International Guitar Fest. Oh, wow. Which was fucking awesome. It was such a great time, man. The people down in South America are so welcoming and yeah. inviting and hospitable. Well, you don't know. What if you go to Argentina and they're like, get out of here, gringo. Oh, <laughs> yeah, they're just dicks over there, yeah. man. Uruguay fucking hates you. Awful, <laughs> awful. But you know, the thing that I caught about it is it's like, I think that people down there have the same sense of like Southern hospitality that we do in the mm. South. I, I think that is pretty in, ingrained in Latino culture. Yeah. Of like, yeah, being welcoming and inviting and, and nice to people. It makes sense though when you think about it that like if we're from the South and we're this hospitable, they're right. way further South than us. Yeah, and way more hospitable. Yeah. They don't get angry when they see a white person. No. They're not, not like, learn Spanish. <laughs> Not at all. Hables <laughs> español. Gringo. <laughs> Gringo. Yeah, that yeah. never happened once. <laughs> now, the thing about it is, though, is like the people down there just want to like hang out and show you their country and show you their favorite bars and show yeah. you their favorite beers. I mean, it's just like any time we have some friends come in from out of right, town yeah, and we want to show them say, around I think and stuff. You want to show people the cool shit in yeah, your city. Yeah. There were some other people that were playing the fest that would, you know. Of course, everybody's hours are different and stuff. Well, there's a lot of international folks mm -hmm. out there, but there's a lot of people that would just like turn in early and be like, okay, 1030, it's time to shut it down. See you guys tomorrow. I bet you guys did that too, right? Fuck no. <laughs> what are you telling me? <laughs> dude, the amount of times that I saw the sun coming up, yeah. like just in that week. Mm -hmm. Oh my God, dude. Yeah, so it's like they wanted to hang out. We, You know, you don't want to be rude. You don't want to turn your no. host down. And also, Why would I, you? I wanted to hang out with these people because yeah. they're all so fucking cool and awesome. And just wonderful folks, man. Mm -hmm. Had such a good time. And I'll tell you another thing that I noticed about the South American audience that I thought was really interesting. And I just wonder where we went wrong in the States, you know? In the States. In the States. As we say. Right. So, you know, if you're playing a guitar festival and you're playing instrumental guitar music as we were with, with Andy Wood and stuff. Right. The crowd is going to be made up entirely of guitar players. You would think. In the sure. States, that's absolutely Right, yeah. Is, that's, I mean, know? nobody is turning out to see someone just play guitar. Yeah. Start singing. Yeah. Except the other people who are like, how does he do that with his fingers and things? Yeah, exactly. I couldn't even come up with like a good thing a guitarist <laughs> with his would say. and things. Yeah. How are the strings? <laughs> is that humbucker? How are the strings? <laughs> Maybe he'll show me. You know? But the thing is, is like down there... You know, you look out at these crowds of hundreds and hundreds of people, and it's like whole families with like their grandmother, and yeah. I mean, all these people that like don't play mm -hmm. guitar at all, but they have an appreciation for yeah. people who are good at something. And I was thinking about it, and I was like, 
where did this go wrong in the states where it's like if there's a a, a piano concert well probably piano players are going out if there's a guitar show guitar players go out but here's the thing like in the states we have people that have this like mega fandom for athletes and sports teams Yes. Even if you don't play baseball, have never picked up a bat in your life. Right. You can still know the rules and go watch it and enjoy it. And appreciate the guys that are at the top tier athletes and Mm -hmm. stuff that are at peak physical form that are doing amazing things, even if you've never thrown a football in your life. But for some reason, in the music world, that doesn't really cross over. That's very strange to me. It's It's very specialized knowledge in a way, because I remember learning in gym class the rules to... A million different types of games. Yeah. I remember music class being boring. Right. And they didn't go out of their way to make it more interesting. Probably because they didn't want to teach it in the first place. Well, here's the thing, though. Let me ask you. In your classes, did you ever get down to a hopping little number called Hot Cross Buns? I played that on a little keyboard thing that I got for Easter. It was like one of those cheap, like, yeah, a little Casio keyboards. rig. I played that in one of my music classes. And that didn't get you into a lifetime of music? It would have had my music teacher been like, that's interesting. Would you like to learn more about playing something similar to that? I would have been like, yeah. Instead of her being like, thanks for that. <laughs> Do it again. I, I immediately <laughs> knew like, oh, she hates me. Got you. <laughs> she cool. doesn't want to be here. I'll just not pursue this thing. <laughs> Maybe it's that. Maybe it's that. Teachers need to realize that, especially elementary school teachers like... You can't be making your little smarmy remarks to a kid. They're remembering that stuff. They remember They're doing that shit the rest of their fucking lives. Yeah. Yeah. I will tell you what, though. The, the weather down in Cartagena was... Dude, I'm talking like a sauna. Like a straight right, yeah. up sauna. It was like it's 90... very close to the equator. Yeah. yeah. 100% humidity. Mm-hmm. 100%. Just it swimming. Damp. Yeah. Actually, whenever you got off the plane, they handed you uh, a respirator and an oxygen tank. Because they said, you're swimming right you're now, swimming sir. Home. And I said, what? what? I didn't even know. <laughs> yeah, you're drowning, sir. Put on the mask. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my lungs are filling up with water. I'm not even aware of it. Yeah, and like, also, weirdly enough, even though it's right by the water, the air doesn't move at all. There's no wind. There's I feel no, like, that has breeze. a lot to do. It's a mountainous region yeah. with a lot of trees and stuff. Yeah, it's it's hard for the, the wind to maybe to get around. I guess so. Yeah. But it was, it was steamy. And then I come back, and Tennessee's like, well... I guess it's fall now. Got a little bit colder, didn't it? Yeah. yeah. It's been in the 40s for lows Ooh, the past few days. Mercy. I love it. You're about. That's true. You're hey, about. For, I'm always hot. I I break a sweat. <laughs> Tell me something I didn't already know, Woo. Steve. Muy caliente. <laughs> Hombre caliente. Like, once it gets into the 70s, I'm like, mm, sweat, huh? Oh, <laughs> that's when it gets good to me, dude. That's when I start it coming good. alive. It is nice. 70s are nice, man. 90s, 100, woo, triple digits. That's you just want to die. We had especially with all that humidity. A little, a little uh, dead and lovely fan meetup the other day oh, at yeah, Merchant's Beer, and yeah, I was, was I was a cold boy. That's true, you were, and I was in short sleeves. <laughs> I was like, "What's? How are you? Does it string?" <laughs> it does, yeah. Oh, it does. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> It was fun getting to hang out with everybody. We uh, exchanged out some some currency papers for some of our brand new Dead and Lovely merchandise. Yeah, Sold some a couple of t-shirts brought, uh, and stuff. Some people have already bought t-shirts. Hopefully, at the point that this episode is up, the Amazon store is up. Yeah, yeah. Well, the store technically exists. It's just the listing that we're waiting on to go up. Got to get verified. Yeah. 
Hey, dead and lovelies. Hollywood Steve here. Turns out our listing was denied on Amazon. So the best way to get a t-shirt from us is to email us your address and size, and then we will email you back with a price. The shirts are small to extra large, $25, extra extra large through triple XL, $28. And uh, I send them priority mail. That's $7.50 shipping within the United States. It will get to you in two days. It's tracked and insured. Just email us and then pay on PayPal. Our email address is deadandlovelypod at gmail.com. And that is also the PayPal address. For international listeners, just email us and we will figure out how best to get the shirt to you. If you want to use some other pay service, let us know. Venmo's a possibility. Just whatever. Just let us know. Again, that's deadandlovelypod at gmail.com. Back to the regular show. And uh, they're very, very awesome shirts with our design that you see here on the podcast looks, by our friend Jacob Long. It looks great. And the shirts are awesome. It is a high I, quality shirt. I spent my time the other night folding all of them. That's a Ooh. lot of shirts. It was a lot of shirts. Woo! And about five into it, I was like, man, these are nice shirts. And by the end, I was like, I wish all of my like sheets were made out of this material. Ooh, you know, those yeah. like t-shirt sheets. I do know those. The t-shirts feel like that sort of perfect soft texture that's good because i i can't tell you how many times i've sat down to fold me a box of t-shirts and by the end my hands are calloused and bloody (laughs) (laughs) what are they putting in these shirts you bought the shirts made out of straw (laughs) oh i've got these damn burlap t-shirts i can't they're cheap they're made out of corn husks nobody likes these they just spray paint whatever you want whatever here you go you guys can mm. check out some of that wonderful merchandise. The first wave of what shall become a t-shirt yeah. empire. Yeah, and some other stuff. Make some stickers, some beer koozies maybe. Maybe a nude calendar. Uh, well, yeah. 100%. Let's do that. Uh-huh. We'll have to bring in some past guests. Our wives, I guess. Our dogs. Uh, our dogs. Yeah. Naked all as nude, shit. All oh, new dog man. calendar. Whoo. <laughs> Steamy. And Andy Wood just dick out. Yeah, yeah. Dick yeah. out. Yeah, sure. That sounds about right. Have you been while well, I've been off on my uh, ad- adventures through South America? Man, not great, but Sick. Yeah. <laughs> I've been I've been having a whole lot of stuff going on, primary of which just seems to be seasonal. Like as you said, it started to get colder, the sun is down way bye-bye, earlier. Bye bye. And I I keep odd hours, so I'm not really seeing the sun much and I just started feeling this like brain fog thing going on. Yeah, yeah. And every time I would sit down to work, like just preparing for this this episode, I watched this four times. Three of them, I probably paid attention for like five minutes. Yeah, had my brain, brain is just on. like I hate you. Um, wow. We also were having some financial difficulties before uh, an event that occurred yesterday, which is my wife got into a car wreck. No bueno. No not, bueno. Not her fault, and she was the only one involved. And luckily, she is. A-okay. Uninjured. Uninjured. But the car, on the other hand, The car is not injured. uninjured. Yeah. Injured car. It's an old car. We have great insurance. We, we, uh, all the mistakes people blame poor people for, we don't make. We have health insurance. We have great, uh, auto insurance. Yeah. We, we really go out of our way to cover our ass. But the problem is when your car is only worth about a thousand dollars and your deductibles $500, we're at that point where it's like, oh shit. Yeah. Are we 
not gonna have a car and we don't have money to buy a new car so super stressed hopefully everything everything looks like it should work out i think yeah well steve you just gotta remember dude at the end of the day mm-hmm. money can't buy happiness yes it can <laughs> It absolutely can. That's the dumbest, dude. Dumbest thing thing anyone's ever said. That's absolutely just some shit that some rich Uh person made up to encourage you to not go out and try to make money. Yeah, some rich person made that up. I would say right now, I'm in a pretty good mood for somebody who like tomorrow could be like, oh, we don't have a car. My wife can't go to work or school. Yeah, we can't do anything. Our lives are crushed and everything's going to hell. For me, this is what my anxiety has prepared me for every single day of my life. <laughs> it's like, it's going to go bad. It's going to go bad. Yep. Oh, it's going bad. Oh. Oh, okay. It's kind of ready for this. Well, now what do we do? Huh. Yeah. So what Maybe now? I should have prepared that whole time I was freaking out about everything going bad. Nah. Nah. No, no, no. But well, yeah, so it's uh, a spot of bother, man. It it's is. a spot of bother. I, I think everything's going to work out because honestly, the uh, when my wife called me, of course, uh, first... All I was worried about was my wife, and she said the car was probably totaled because she couldn't get it to move or anything. Yeah, yeah. And to me, that means airbags deployed. Yeah, cars bent around a telephone pole. It's not going anywhere. Yeah. When I got there, she had luckily um, the T dot Tennessee Department of Transportation had already gotten a tow truck out there to move it across the highway because she was in the the center median part. And this was around a curve where there had been an accident 10 minutes before she got there. The cops that showed up told us that. And as we were having the truck loaded onto the tow truck, another car crashed there. That's pretty absurd. Yes. And this is part of an interstate in the city of Knoxville. This isn't like some back road. I hope that after the third one hit, though, that the cop at least was like, hat trick. Oh, he had already gone. But I bet when he got the call, he was like, what the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) Now, was this around perhaps dead man's curve? Oh, yeah. There's a reason they call it that. She was drag racing with a guy named for it. Probably scott i don't know yeah he had a a pink carnation Mm -hmm. on his jacket he was ready to die he was cruising for burgers (laughs) (laughs) other sock hop whatever type tropes anything a sock hop has he had it (laughs) he was heading down to the malt shop but yeah luckily she was okay and looking at the car i i have some knowledge of, of car repair and stuff like that it looks like it's just the axle and the rim that'll need to be replaced, but it, it's being looked at, and our insurance company's inspecting it tomorrow. So. Well, and the great thing is, is when you own a Corolla, as we both do, right? It's it's parts par- are cheap. Parts are dirt fucking cheap. Yeah, and also, YouTube is littered with instructional videos, videos uh-huh. mainly by guys in like Russia and Czechoslovakia. Yes. <laughs> What's the deal with that? <laughs> They love those cars over there for some well, reason. Well, here's the thing. In Yeah, they have high import tax. The, you know what Trump wants for America? I've lived in it. It's uh, Russia. Jobs. Uh, it's oh. Russia. And uh, <laughs> they have high import taxes. So the mafia drive things like Ford Escorts. Oh. Because it costs like $50,000 to have it imported into the country. So it's wow. an expensive car. But here it's like, yeah, that's a... Ford Escort. Yeah, yeah. That's a it's piece like of shit. If you turned a PBR into a car. Yeah. They mostly drive Mercedes. They mostly go for like the nice like mm, puff drive Mercedes. Uh-huh. Or BMWs. But and of course those have again taxes laid on them, so they're paying a 
huge amount of wow. money for a BMW. So, like all the all the imports and stuff are what most normal people drive, like Japanese cars and stuff like what we. No, have. no, no. Over there, it's all Ladas and Yazas and Gazas. So why are there so many like tutorials? Is because people like want to hang on to them and fix them up? And well, stuff? The people, yeah, the people that are over there, like say for instance, somebody has one imported and then they wreck it or sell it or whatever. You don't have to pay the import tax again. Oh. So just like here people who are real into cars are like oh i'll pick that up because somebody's selling it like way cheaper than you could possibly ever get it then you fix them up and, and make then you fix YouTube them up videos. yes well there you go and then you help out people in the states yeah in the states they have cars in russia that look like they were designed in 1982 that are like last year's model <laughs> i like it <laughs> I mean, I've been I've been saying for a long time, like if we could just have like these retro future cars that look like fucking fifty four Chevys and oh, stuff yeah. like this, only they have power steering and stuff like that. I would love I would it be so on deck. I There's would no love reason it. they can't make them look that way. Like if 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 more cars would go back to retro future, like nineteen fifties future yep. vision, where it was like cars will weigh six tons and fly into <laughs> outer space. Gasoline's so cheap, we'll never worry about paying for it, and our children will die in a fiery blaze. <laughs> Who cares? We're baby boomers. <laughs> we'll just pump some more out. We'll be fine. Well, Steve, I'd like to offer you a pull in these trying times. Let's get a pull. I think if I've ever seen a Steve that needs a pull, it's, it's just Steve. It's probably the Steve what's in front of me. I'd take a Lo- pull. Hey, you know what they say? Love the Steve you're with. <laughs> if you can't, love the Steve you want. Love, love the Steve, the Steve you're, with. you're with. That's right, man. Let's get a pull of this guy right here. Now, this is one that I bought a four-pack of from uh-huh. Merchants of Beer in Knoxville. This is the Honky Tonk Brewery's Mango Milkshake IPA. Yeah, that's the three things I love. I love mango, I love milkshakes, and I love IPA. Mm-hmm. A milkshake IPA, also a fan. Mango Milkshake I'll do that as well. Triple yes. Yeah. And they're out of uh, Nashville, Tennessee. Honky so Tonk. It's a local brew. I've had some other Honky Tonk beers that were really good. I think that you're going to enjoy this. It's not as like sweet and fruity as you'd think. It definitely is heavy on like the lactose. It's a very like smooth feeling beer as you roll it around your palate. Isn't that you're tasty? You're absolutely right. The second it hit my tongue, I was like, where's the sweet? Because yeah. you can smell it. Uh-huh. But you don't really... It's more of a creamy... Ooh. That's nice, right? But if you've ever made like a mango smoothie with like, you know, like yogurt or mm-hmm. milk or anything Yeah, in there, it's got a bit of that. It cuts down on the, the mango-ness Yeah, the mango, like the, the, the sugariness and the... Uh, with the acidity. Yeah. Kind of gives it that... You get more of the mango flavor with less of the sweet. Totally, man. Yeah. I think it's pretty fucking yeah, good. Yeah, this is man. good. That's some good stuff right there. It's 7.5%. Like... Oh, is it this really? This is just... Yeah, Easy you, sipping. You never know, man. That's pretty awesome. Wow. Well, well, since I landed back here, you know, our house is on the market. I felt bad the whole time I was gone because, like, our house went on the market, like, the day before I left, right? Mm-hmm. So that means that I left my wife here to take care of the dog and keep the house immaculately clean and do her job that she works all right. the time on. While also trying to like keep the house ready for you know showings and having to leave at weird hours so people come look at the house and stuff like yeah. that, it was like really bad timing. And meanwhile, I'm just like fucking around drinking cheap beer and booze and <laughs> Cartagena making friends and stuff. Pretty lame guy kind of scenario. But since I've been back, it's uh, I'll tell you this observation: it takes a lot of work to be a very clean person and keep everything cleaned up around you. 
Yeah. Just in case somebody's coming to the house. Waking up, making a bed. I'd rather shoot myself in the face with a gun. My wife and I never make our bed. It's a waste of goddamn time. It's an absolute time. waste of time. And I'm doing it all the time now, and I, I just I just really hate it. Mm. My wife and I also don't share a blanket. Oh, this, yeah. I'm going to be talking yeah, about I've said this that, before. Yeah. It's, it'll help your marriage a million percent, especially if you, like me, are a side sleeper, so you roll over a lot and you end up stealing all the blanket. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm a side sleeper and also usually just uh, just put like a, a sheet. If I could sleep with like maybe a Kleenex on me, I'd be like, that's enough. That's enough blanket. It's <laughs> fine. Just have to have some sort of external cloth right. on me, and that counts as and a your, blanket. your brain is just like, sleep you time. are good. Yeah. Sleep mm. time now. What is that? I wonder. Like, because I don't know. I it, it's it's culturally all across the world. There's no yeah. non-blanket culture. Yeah, I can fall asleep without a blanket, but put a blanket on me, I'm like 90% more likely to fall asleep. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's strange. It I is don't, a strange I don't exactly thing. Know. But it's a thing. I gotta know. Yeah. So since I've been back and been getting in the groove of keeping this house on the market and stuff like that, I have had time to watch myself a couple things. Oh, yeah. To try to get myself in the Halloween spirit. Of course, you know, we're like, what is today's date? The 19th or something as we record this? 19th, 20th? Yeah. Something pretty like that. late in the month. <laughs> and because of all this house stuff and all the travel I've been doing, it's like I've not really had the chance to even feel that chill in the air and smell the pumpkin spice Emily and get in that the out to Halloween me too. vibe. Because you know? like she's, she's busy a lot and I've been busy a lot. We haven't actually had time to just sit down and enjoy Halloween. So yeah. Like yeah. we actually sat down and made a plan the other day. We were like, okay... She has Halloween night specifically off. She she got it off specifically for the purpose of us hanging out. We decided what movies we were going to watch Ooh. so that like it's not one of those things where it's like, what do you want to watch and flipping through yeah, stuff? Yeah, like, yeah, that eats yeah. up so much time. Yeah. What are you going to watch? Uh, well, we're definitely going to watch Nightmare Before Christmas after midnight. After midnight, mm-hmm. okay, right. We had a few ideas. Adam's Family is one that she wants to watch because... Again, you know, we just did it and we were talking about it, but it's also like such a perfect so movie good. around yeah. the time. Yeah. And we're either going to watch Trick or Treat. Yes. Or maybe one of the Friday 13th movies. Possibly. Ooh. Yeah. I would go Trick or Treat. Yeah, he, that's what I think. Yeah, because yeah. Trick or Treat specifically Halloween. Mm-hmm. Friday 13th, none of those are really Halloween related. No, but it's fun. Oh, they're the fucking yeah. best, dude. There's never enough time to watch all the movies that I want to watch, you know, during yeah. a Halloween season, man. Yeah. Ever. But I did sit down with with the fam today, and I carved myself a calabaza. <laughs> I did the old pumpkin carving, which was great fun. Yeah, I enjoyed carving a pump. Uh, although, you know, I'll say this: I really hate it that these days, anytime you carve yourself a jack o' lantern mm-hmm. that has any sort of like non traditional eye. Right. You know, just not like the typical Charlie Brown pumpkin eye. Right, like It's like a, a flared eye, yeah. that kind of thing. And it has teeth. People are like, oh, it's Jack Skellington. No, it fucking isn't. Oh, okay. You so saw you the t- one I posted? Yeah. It had big pointy teeth and these kind of irregular shaped eyes. Oh, it's Jack Skellington. There's nothing like fucking Jack Skellington. And I get this all the time because I, like I like to make my pumpkins look all fierce and have pointy teeth and stuff. Did you look at any of the other comments they left on stuff like... Somebody would post a picture of their meal. Nice Jack Skellington. <laughs> they just Somebody say that all the time. Somebody posts a picture of their baby. What a cute Jack Skellington. They think everything looks like Jack Skellington. <laughs> Put up a selfie. Here's Jack Skellington. <laughs> what? What's the matter with these people? I have a disease. <laughs> yeah, it's a syndrome where I think everything looks like Jack Skellington. <laughs> God. So that was a fun little little bit of Halloweendom. We also sat down... 
uh, the other night and watched a Hocus Pocus. Oh, good. Never yeah. a bad idea. No, not a bad idea at all. So that was a good one. And then the other night, I think it was after we watched Hocus Pocus, I found myself um, uh, just sinking into the couch in a state of altered consciousness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> brought along by relaxants of various gotcha. forms. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and... Uh, Kay had the remote in her hand, so she put on a little movie that was on, I think it was on Prime, called Stan Helsing. Okay. Stan Helsing. I, this, this is one of those, like, spoofs. Oh, yeah. That was right. definitely made for, like, $36. Yeah, like, okay, yeah. gotcha. Early 2000s, probably? I think it was, 2000s? yeah, mid-2000s, if yeah. I'm not mistaken. So, in that, like, whole vein of just... Terrible movies that nobody watched. Oh, yeah, exactly. (laughs) It did contain the line, does my vagina make me look fat? Oh. (laughs) That's not even... What? (laughs) What? I had more fun with it than I would have if I was in a normal state of consciousness. I remember Uh thinking, this isn't as bad as it should be, and then I fell asleep. Aw. Yeah. Okay. So it worked out pretty good. No, you didn't finish the movie, you're saying? No. no okay. No, no. So it could have gotten as bad as it should be. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. Very, very likely. <laughs> yeah. But maybe it t- made it even bigger turn. It was like Citizen Kane level at the end. Yeah. Shit got fucking crazy at the end. I don't know. I'll Stephen never know. like, Dracula. People are like, what does that mean? What does he mean, Dracula? It was his whip when he was a boy. Oh, my God. Yeah. Got it from Simon Belmont. Oh, Whipping ghouls. I love it, man. I love it. Mm-hmm. So, what have you been watching? I started watching a show called Letter Kenny on the advice about of this. one notorious RDM. Look out. And Hannah, formerly of Postmodern. Ah, uh, yes. R.I.P. Hannah. She didn't, she didn't die. die. <laughs> she just got a different <laughs> job. But R.I.P. She was yeah. awesome. Yeah, she was a, a great, great bartender. Good yeah. hang. Good hang. We, uh, we should look at her new job. Yeah, uh, RDM and I, it, it, we probably talked about this a uh, couple episodes ago mm. where RDM came to the Kingfish show. Oh, yeah, and yeah. And we were hanging out postmodern. And while we were there, he mentioned Letter Kenny. I had never seen it. I'd heard of it. But he showed me the opening to the first episode, and I was hooked. Oh, wow. It, it's one of those like that seriously doesn't have like a bad pilot episode you have to kind of get through or yeah, yeah. like finding their groove first season you have to they get through it it's out, just like, right immediately away. they hit the ground running and it's awesome so funny so i've heard that it's very dry and it's yeah canadian, dry canadian right? humor yeah is it's, it clearly canadian yes <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's it's immediately clearly canadian wayne the main character uh says a boot of course and you and your friends are hanging out the other day. Okay, so you yeah. got that thing going on. Yeah. It's, I would say, like on like if you like Trailer Park Boys and you haven't watched Letter Kenny because you think it's a ripoff of Trailer Park Boys, it's not. It's not a ripoff of Trailer Park Boys. But if you like the humor in Trailer Park Boys, you're gonna like Letter Kenny. Okay, right on. Yeah. Do you think it's something to get into? Yes. I need to watch it then. Uh, also a little maybe like if you like Always Sunny, it's not. Yeah. It's not Always Sunny level of like humor not saying like it's not as funny as always sunny it's just like it's always sunny is more up. like clearly humor yeah and this is like a lot of the humor you have to catch from just the dryness of, of what's going on but then some of it's just overt like very obvious hilarious shit so i recommend it very funny show. what's it on i don't know what the canadian channel is but it's it's streaming on hulu okay cool yeah 
And I've been watching American Dad. Now, American Dad is a show that I have been a fan of since the beginning. It's been and around a while. It's been around for 14 seasons. Holy since fuck, season 14. man. See, that's what makes me feel old. People are like, oh, my son just turned five. I feel so old. I'm like... <laughs> American Dad's had like, 14 seasons. Yeah, like how many seasons South Park have been on now? Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah, the thing about... Okay, so I hate Family Guy. Yeah. I've seen every single episode of Family Guy, including the most recent episode of Family Damn, Guy. you just hate watching I watch shit. them every single time because sometimes there's some really funny stuff in there. Every once in a while. And a lot of the writers that work for the show are very funny people. Somebody told me something recently about there was like a cruise ship or something where they had Michael McDonald like summon whales or something. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that was, funny. that's funny. Yeah. yeah. There's funny stuff in there for sure. The thing is that the funniest moment in Family Guy to me is like a consistent beat throughout every American Dad episode. Uh-oh. So at their lowest, they're as funny as the funniest American Dad or uh, Family Guy episode. So it's not just a bunch of strung together. No, it's a story. Like the time when blah, blah, blah. Right. It's yeah. a story every single time. You have very distinct characters who are very wacky and strange. It it reminds me more as a, of a spiritual successor to The Simpsons, which is what Family Guy was going for. Yeah, yeah. But I think just fails that completely. But American Dad is a show that I imagine people who hate Family Guy are like, that show probably sucks. Uh, give it a chance. I, I think you'll like it. I watching a few episodes a couple mm. of years ago. I think we watched through a couple, and I, yeah. I remember enjoying it. Yeah, it's a funny show. Yeah, it's one of those that maybe I'll, I'll pick up and finish some sweet day. Yeah, maybe. I, the thing about it that I found is that there's no drop-off after 14 seasons. Wow. But it's not like Always Sunny where it's every season is like, how is it this good? Yeah, yeah. But it's consistent. Just a nice, consistent, every season is, you're going to laugh throughout the episodes. I want to, you know, I had already seen up to the most recent three episodes, or three seasons. So, just been kind of watching through those past three seasons, and still good. Still Excellent, good show. man. We'll have to give that one a spin sometime. Jake her out. What about any flicks? You watch any pelliculas this week? I haven't. There's my Spanish just popping out again. <laughs> it's all over the place. <laughs> I'll tell you what, though. You want to go to the teatro? Maybe I want to go pelliculas? to El Teatro and catch a pelicula, amigo. <laughs> you know what, though? Honestly, I will say, like, while we were down there in Cartagena, I was surprised to see how little English was spoken. Oh, right. Like, very little. Like, uh, bars, restaurants, everything like that. Basically, no English is spoken. Yeah, I'm, and and why the fuck should yeah, they? Yeah, why do? Why would? Yeah, I'm yeah. fucking Colombia. Uh, but it did make me be resourceful and be like, okay, I learned some Spanish in college. Right. I got to dig through my archives, mm-hmm. go through my mind palace, and I gotta say, I was pretty surprised at how much shit I remembered. I yeah, I found the same myself. Like yeah. with uh, living in Koreatown in a Hispanic area, like when people would speak to me in Spanish, I knew what they were saying. Yeah. I couldn't always respond. It wasn't like I had the words to respond every time, but I knew enough to be like, words, here yeah, are yeah. words to you to answer. <laughs> but it's kind of like inspired me to be like, man, I should, well, I've got a little mo- momentum going. I should stay on top of it. So I got that like Duolingo. Duolingo? Yeah. So, yeah. So it's constantly threatening you. Yeah. Like, hey, bitch. I haven't tried it yet. 
Hey, bitch. Hey, bitch. I'm Duolingo. Whoa. Why ain't you get on this Spanish? <laughs> it's an intimidating Get app. on this Spanish, bitch. Uh, 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 I'm an owl. Remind me later. I just, Ooh. I'm busy Ooh. right, I'm busy right now. Who? I'm with my family. Leave Two me letters. alone. <laughs> <laughs> it's an aggressive app. It is an aggressive app. <laughs> Turn off those notifications on that one. So yeah, fun stuff trying to like That's relearn cool. some Spanish. Might as well. It's a good idea, I think, for everybody. Uh, yeah. I, I don't understand resistance to learning new languages. I gotta learn how to say, don't take my job <laughs> in Spanish. Otherwise, I'll just come take it. Right? Exactly. Yeah. They, they come to take our jobs. Then they get on the welfares. Yeah. Right? I don't know how they're taking the jobs mm-hmm. and getting on the welfare, but... I guess this is something that is a real complaint by uh, stupid people. It's I miss my I miss my job fucking working down at the slaughterhouse. Oh my gosh, do you remember when we used to pick tomatoes in Granger County and roof houses we would and roof stuff all like summer? Crazy yeah. for a reasonable wage, exactly. And until those Mexicans along came, along came it. someone who was like, "Can I please work? I want to make Can a better I, life. I, for I my would family. like to provide for my family." Yeah, exactly. What a dick. What an asshole. How dare he? <laughs> so you watched any Policulas? No, I, I, I didn't get to any. Not yeah? So. What about some streaming chats that we've been doing? You guys been oh, staying yeah. on top of them things? Streaming chat. Okay, so uh, when this comes out, the most recent streaming chat, I was not there because of the... Uh, meetup. Meetup. Yeah. But we had a streaming chat that we haven't talked about the last Friday, which was we watched fungicide fungicide Scan- yeah this okay. was a dave bichet pick it okay. was by the guy who made suburban sasquatch a movie we watched about a month ago so you guys are kind of on this guy's like repertoire it's insane what's it about fungus uh, <laughs> stuff and things it's about evil fungus that is cgi and looks terrible and people who can't act wow basically that's Sounds it. great it was wonderful. It doesn't sound great. And then we watched Jigsaw, but not that one. Not the Saw one. Not the one you're thinking of, but that would also fit. I've watched that Jigsaw. It's fucking terrible. Ugh, I've heard. It's really bad. Yeah. But this Jigsaw was 1996, I think. And I don't remember anything about this movie. I will tell you that straight up. I believe it was supposed to be like some RoboCop Terminator thing. Okay. But I was not paying attention because it was so bad. Oh, <laughs> Every Lord time I mercy. looked at the screen, I was like, this is bad. I'll pay attention to the chat. Man. It's terrible. Fungicide, though, um, is trash. I love it. Like Suburban Sasquatch. Like that guy, he's either a genius or a sadist. <laughs> he's got a knack for trash. Yeah. Have you ever seen Street Trash? Yes. Yeah. The is that Peter Jackson? No, no, no. No, no, no. Not Street. Yeah, he did Meet the Feebles and stuff like. Yes, but I have seen Street Trash. Just about the bums. Yes. Yeah. And they drink that that cobra shit and uh-huh. melt them and stuff. Yeah. Is it like that level of trashy? No, that that's fun trashy. It's like watching a guy with no personality play a character that's in no way interesting using a machete to chop fake mushrooms off the side of a trailer what over and over and over just chopping 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 into the air and the cgi just making them appear more and more so he's like but you can see in his face that he's just like i don't know what i'm doing (laughs) i don't know why am i doing this and the guy's just like go for it 
Go for it. More chopping. More, more, more. Yeah. This is going to get us there. Oh, my God. This is going to get us to Suburban Sasquatch. Wow. Fungicide apparently was before Suburban Sasquatch. Hey, is that a plot crazy enough to work? (laughs) I applaud him. Yeah. He's made more movies than I have, so... I don't remember what they were watching when... Because I did come in the last 20 minutes of the stream because uh, our our awesome fans yeah. actually just did the streaming chat themselves running that show y'all sales which is i applaud and want if you want to do it if you want to take over i am fine with that i don't i don't <laughs> i want to encourage that you people listening to the show you guys need us without us you're nothing <laughs> no 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 they're good without us they can do it they need us, Steve. Oh, do they? Yeah, because if they figure out they don't need us, then they'll just go off and do it on their oh, own. Oh, fuck. Oh, you need you us. You have to have us. Did you notice how it sucked when we weren't there? That's uh-huh. right. We're the best you deserve. We're the best you deserve. Who your name is? You could be my bottom bitch. Who you came with? <laughs> yeah. That's how we talk to our fans. Yeah. Like we're pimps. Who you came with? <laughs> Stuff like that. But I'm glad to see that people had themselves a good old time, even though we could not be there. Yeah. That's a good thing. Yeah, it I is guess, awesome. I guess. It is good. Well, Steve, I will tell you one thing that I did watch this week. What What'd was just goddamn fantastic. What even though I've seen it now, I think, 101 times, as many as Cruella DeVille has Was Dalmatians. it 102 Dalmatians? 102 Dalmatians. Uh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> It was A Cabin in the Wood. A Cabin in the Wood? Uh Uh-huh. It's a movie called A Cabin in a Wood. (laughs) And that's the subject of our podcast today. Have you ever seen that movie? I have seen A Cabin in a Wood. And it's good. Mm -hmm. It's a really good movie. It is. It's way up there, honestly. And you know, the thing about this movie is, is I think that one of its central themes is dealing with kind of, you know, horror archetypes. We see these throughout all horror history we we have the jock and we have the the slut and the mm-hmm. virgin and yeah it was fool. like oh scream you want to get meta bitch let's get meta let's get real mm-hmm. real fucking meta and so you know it kind of got me thinking i got my gears turning i said if i was a horror archie type <laughs> which archie type would i be would i be an archie type a jughead type hmm a you Veronica that, type? That's the type of thing we'd discuss in the Preview Palace. <gasps> Welcome to the Preview Palace. Oh, boy, Steve. I set myself up. That's pretty good. It was one of those, like, you know, with a baseball, you just throw the ball up in no. the air and then hit it. I've never done no. that. No. Never once. No. Well, I, I did that. People do it. I did it. It's that thing that mm-hmm. sometimes people you, can do. You've heard of people, right? Like uh, Jack Skellington? Yeah. That's the one. Got it. I know him. He's <laughs> handsome. All right, Steve, let's stop in and talk with BuzzFeed Witch or Wizard Belly Rupi? Belly Rupi. Belly Rupi. And let's find out everyone's personality matches a horror movie archetype. Here is yours. I'm excited for this. I want to find out. I always wanted to know. I think I know what's going to end up here, but not sure. Okay, it's a short quiz. We got five questions here. Number one here, Steve, what's your favorite subject? In Esquela, tus favoritos subjectos in Esquela, Steve. <laughs> I'm very happy with the amount of Spanish. That it's good, right? In. It is good. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. We're becoming a, a multinational, multilingual podcast. Uh-huh. We have PE, which I think refers to the band Head PE. Uh, but actually refers to physical education. Uh, I don't know about that. Mm. Does lunch count? Ah. English. English. Health. Health. Math. 
Uh, or cooking is cooking, cooking class is that a thing I got I'm um, like to cooking class there, was a, there were home ec classes Hit my dog ate my homework <laughs> yeah. I, I would say honestly as someone who does want for practical education that home ec is something that should be taught from kindergarten they yeah. should be teaching people how to fucking cook clean pay your bills Important thing. Budget your money, etc. No, no, but no. Here's, me, the, here's the mitochondria. Right, yeah. Let's spend a lot of time on the powerhouse of the cell. <laughs> um, but for me, my favorite subject in school, of course, was English. Yeah. You know what? I'm going to go with the cooking because I do love yeah. myself some cooking. Yeah. It's the best. I'm, I'm falling out of that because my diet is, is getting more and more plain where it's just Ugh. like... I have like two protein shakes a day and then like a quarter of a chicken with some coleslaw. You just eat matter. Yeah. It's just like, oh, I have to not die. Dude, I think that you should start something really fucking badass where like every time you eat one of these chickens, you take like a big Bowie knife and like scratch it into your belt. (laughs) Like it's like your chicken kill count. Yeah. And then somebody asks me like, what are those notches on your belt? It's all the chicken's egg. My kill count, motherfucker. I've eaten this many chickens. You just clean that bone and you're like, another one bites the dust. <laughs> back, hey, to, back to the hen house, bitch. Back to the hen house, bitch. That sounds like... Like you just hate to eat these chickens. Fuck you, Like if there chicken. was a Freddy Krueger on the farm episode. Yeah. <laughs> episode. Freddy Krueger <laughs> on the farm movie. <laughs> All right, what's next? What's your favorite color? Pink. It's something. Red is not pink. Orange. Yellow. Black. Purple. Oh. I'm going to go with a black, 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 black number one. Get your typo negative in there. You just thought I was making chicken noises, didn't you? I did. I thought you were... Nope. Those I, are, I was worried a little those bit. Those are Peter Steele noises. Okay. I gotcha. Uh, orange. Orange is my favorite color. I've talked about it several times on the yes, show. Indeed. Has nothing to do with the University of Tennessee, who played an okay game Did they? against Alabama, surprisingly. Huh. Yeah. I was very surprised. Shocking. Mm-hmm. All right, Steve, what's your most defining quality? Is it your mm. confidence? Probably. Confident, dry, and secure. <laughs> is it your fitness? Working on my fitness. She my witness. That's a song? Get those boys on rock, rock. Uh, 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 uh. Want a slice of what I got? I don't know this. It's Fergie, I believe. It's a Ferg? Mm-hmm. And then she... she Fergalicious t- tinkle, definition. Tinkle Make the boys go loco. Pee my pants. Pee my pants. <laughs> That's the next verse. <laughs> she did. <laughs> Used to be on meth. <laughs> Is it your intellect? Mm. Your morality? all? Your cunning nature or your open-mindedness. Okay. What's your defining quality? Boy, this is a tough one. Because if I say my intellect, it sounds really pretentious. Well, the thing is, though, is like your dick isn't one of the options. So that's out. Hmm. So I'll go with my intellect. Yeah. And we all know what that means. My dear. Means my dear. <laughs> I'm going to go. Yeah, that's a pretty good choice right there. I think I would also probably answer that as well keep that i keep that brain of mine on a pretty yeah. high pedestal but you know what it takes a lot of confidence to yeah. do that so i'm gonna go with a confidant that was my other option or my open-mindedness i'm not exactly cunning not the most fit and 
I would say I fit my morality for sure. Though yeah. I wouldn't say people would put me on a high pedestal for my own morality. I would. No, oh, thank you. <laughs> Which word would you hate being described as? Oh, no me gusta. Weak. Ugh. Irrelevant. Oh, no. Delusional. Who am I? Stupid. Moi, what's the Creepy. Oh, tengo miedo. Messy. Messy boy. You know, I think honestly of these, I, I would hate being thought of as stupid. Yeah. I, I work hard on having a brain of what works good. Mm-hmm. I'm a very stable genius, Steve. <laughs> so for somebody to think I'm stupid is actually is actually hurtful to me. Um, For me, probably creepy. Because if someone said I was delusional, I'd be like, well, I disagree with you. Someone said I was weak. Again, I disagree. Irrelevant. I disagree. Creepy. Doesn't matter if you disagree. The effect is the same. Okay, that's true. If, if some yeah. one person thinks you're creepy, you they're creep gonna spread it. No, I don't. That doesn't really work. It's, it is one yeah. of those things. Like I think back on my life where people have been like, "Oh, that guy's creepy," and I I regret how many times I just accepted that. Hmm. Where it's like, I don't know that that person's creepy. You say they're creepy, and I immediately am like looking for the creepiness. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean they're creepy. Like, it just means either you don't know how to deal with them or you dislike them for some other reason and you're just trying to discount them. Like, creepy is such a weird description. I mean, dude, listen to this, too. It's like, I have a success story of three friends that I had back in the day that did some creeping. Uh-oh. I'm talking about Left Eye Lopez. Uh-huh. Chili. Uh-huh. My homegirl T-Boz. So I creep. They did just yeah, fine. Just I'm keep man, it on man, the down low. Seemed to be just fine for them. Uh-huh. I remember listening to that song on the jukebox of the pool hall in oh, downtown Jesus. Jefferson City. Oh, yeah, dude. Yeah. You probably like, ran into my brother down there. He's oh, probably definitely. the one that put it on the jukebox. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. It's either that or like some Keith Sweat. That's what I was going to say. Keith yeah. Sweat. <laughs> Who can sex you like me? <laughs> All right, now we got our, our last question here, Steve. What is your best quality? Okay. Is it your athleticism, mm-hmm. your intellect? Wait, this is the same yeah, this thing. is what this is like the Whatever. same thing. Yeah. Your charm, emotional intelligence, charisma. How are charm and charisma different? Yeah, I don't know about that. Whatever. M- morality again with the morality, yeah. or is it your Jack Skellingtonness? Ooh, that's a tough one. Best quality. I'm gonna say my charm as a tribute to my grandfather, who I got it from. Oh yeah, yep. Dude's charming you just took as shit. It from him and left him with none. No, he's got a million tons of it. He's he got was extra. Like, Here's half a ton for you, and I was like, okay, cool, thanks, man. Your pet pep's number one export is charm. It's true. Yeah, actually, honestly, like most of the girls that I brought home would probably absolutely agree. In high school, the girls that I would bring home. He is smooth as silk, that dude. Wow. Yeah. Wow. They'd say, charm me like your pet pet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like that's a rap in the making. It charm is. you like my pet pet. Charm you like my pet pet. <laughs> Trademark Dan Lovely. Yeah. Now, <laughs> you know what, Steve? I've already boasted about my, my fucking brain power bullshit and stuff. Clearly, I'm uh, bilingual, guys. That's true. I'm strutting it around on this mm-hmm. show right now. I'm just kind of showing off. Es verdad. Yeah, it's muy fácil. It's muy fácil. Espanol, muy fácil. Wow. See. Si. Cowabunga. 
<laughs> so you know what? I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with the charisma right here because the yeah, thing is, you, you can be the brainiest in the world, but mm-hmm. if you ain't got a little little charisma, a little charm to go along with it, ain't nobody gonna listen to you. It is a good point. It uh-huh. really is. So Ben. I got the slasher. You're the slasher? Holy shit. You're the one doing the, the slashing here? I mean, your name is the slasher, so I think you can put two and two together. You're mm. aggressive by nature, determined, and you usually get your way. Okay. Hmm. Some of that's pretty true. As a result, you made it all the way until the end. However, you're a little bold and at times cocky. That's definitely look true. Look out. Look out. That cockiness resulted in your death after revealing yourself and your plans. R.I.P. We guess. Damn, wow. dude. They burned wow. me at the end there. Kind of did. They sort of roasted you a little bit. Well, apparently I'm the blonde. <laughs> that actually... <laughs> what? That probably would be me. I was going to say, because you'd, you'd just step out onto the porch to play guitar for Wee. a little bit, and somebody would walk up with a chainsaw, and you'd be like, hey, what's up, pal? Sick chainsaw. Do you want to jam? <laughs> <laughs> says you're the beauty and the one everyone aspires to be it's true however you're a multifaceted person once people get to know you Mm -hmm. you'll probably make it to about the middle of the film before getting stabbed to death don't worry though there'll be a vigil after homeroom aww I'll take it I'll take it I mean, thing but is for it, you, a vigil after homeroom is just your your brother and your mom being like oh shame he's dead yeah that's true yeah (laughs) not a big turnout for that one yeah too bad you know i'll take it because it didn't say anything in there about like being dumb or being mm. shallow that's true it's not a negative uh, entirely the blonde like, in this movie we'll get to it in a second but generally the blonde dumb blonde isn't mm-hmm. like unless it's a comedy they're not over the top dumb yeah so yeah okay i was blonde until i was about like six or seven Oh, really? Like bright blonde. That's crazy to me yeah. to think about. You have dark features. Yeah. Huh. I know. When I was, I was a kid, also I was a redhead, when, but it wasn't like the bright, like... Carrot top. Bill like. Burr type. <laughs> yeah. Carrot top <laughs> type of red. It was that more like a bronzish red. Yeah, And yeah. then eventually just brown. Word. Mm-hmm. Interesting stuff. Weird, wild stuff. Weird, wild well, stuff. Well, now we know what archetypes that we would be if we were oh. in a slasher of our own design. You know, Steve, before we hop on into the movie review portion of the show, the meat of this show, as mm-hmm. it were, I got to tell you, dude, we're getting awful close to the end of the Halloween season here, and I just haven't been able to find my spirit. I've killed like 20 people harvesting souls, and I still don't feel the spirit of Halloween up in my body. What am ben. I do? Have you tried, and this can work for most things, retail therapy? Retail therapy? Are you talking about buying something to satisfy my emptiness and my soul? Not just something, Ben. Clairvoyant (gasps) t-shirts. What? Clairvoyant Clothing Company. They have some awesome t-shirts that will get you right into the Halloween spirit. Oh my God, is that what's on my body right now? You are currently wearing a shirt that (gasps) says every day is Halloween that is a design from Clairvoyant. It's no wonder I've not murdered anybody today. (laughs) It's because I feel so good in this Clairvoyant shirt. Dude, their designs are awesome. The stuff they sent us... Most recently is amazing. It's the cream of the cr- it's the leche of the crop. It's the leche, the of, leche the crop. of the crop. Hello, yeah. As we would say in Colombia, as we Colombianos yes. would say, Colombians they always say the milk of the crop. Yeah, 
<laughs> and they say the rest of the sentence in English. Yeah, in English. Yeah, that's that's their way in Cartagena, guys. <laughs> you wouldn't know you've not been there. Nope. What are you wearing on your body? I'm wearing a shirt that says I want love and it's got a skeleton and a I, I really don't know how to do justice to this design. The moment I saw it, I was like, that I love that shirt. He's looking like a real G. He's reaching out to a heart in the sky. It's a cool three color design. Mm-hmm. Very, very cool stuff. And he's yeah. got all kinds of cool new designs out right now. I love that death tarot card That's shirt really cool. that he's got out right. that thing is badass. And the new one that he has is the devil. The devil. Which a, I a three eyed devil is as well. Jeteme. Trilingual. <laughs> Bitches, trilingual. I'm just All dropping them. them. I'm just flopping my language dick out this episode. <laughs> Schadenfreude. <laughs> Boom, German. Say something in Russian. Stotoparuski. <laughs> oh, that, is that good? Uh, something in Russian. Something. That's what I said. I said oh, something in Russian. Damn, and clever too. <laughs> Brains and more, ladies. And gentlemen. Yeah. Hey. Well, Just Steve, flexing if, the brain. if other people want to join in on this Halloween fun and get themselves a slice of clairvoyant, what if they just need to save a, a little bit of money? Well, I mean, their could, prices are low, but... Now, look at this. This is crazy. You go to clairvoyantclothingcompany.com, you're going to get something for like $26.66, $16.66, already <gasps> not spending a lot of money. Yeah. But if you put in Dead and Lovely, it's a promo you're going to get a discount. I am not even kidding this, folks. Look out. It's crazy. Free no, no, no. money. You're joking. No, no, no. You're joking. If you don't buy a clairvoyant shirt, you are throwing money in the garbage and telling starving children to oh die. My God. That is un-American. <laughs> That's un-Columbian. I'm going to speak on behalf of my people in Columbia. We Un-Columbia. might get an email from clairvoyant saying, please... Like, rein that back a little bit. Maybe, maybe. You're not telling starving children to die. You're telling them you hate them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's more like that. And spitting in their face. <laughs> and not wearing cool shirts. What That's a true. fucking dick. What do you want to do? Not wear cool shirts? I don't get that. I don't get that. I don't understand. People walk around like, I don't want to look cool at all. <laughs> Clairvoyantclothingcompany.com All right, Steve. Before we get into the movie review section here, I need to get myself a secondary pull and I happened to find myself one of these at the local grocer. You talked about it several episodes yeah. back. It's a Terrapin Jazz Cabbage yeah. Hemp IPA. It says very cleverly here, pairs well with snacks. Now, this is interesting because I said this be- before when I, when I reported on it yeah. that it's it's the best bong water beer I've had. The old bong water yeah. bilge all beer. Of the, all of the hemp beers tend to taste... a. Little to a lot like bong water, like that strain G twenty or whatever it's called. Oh, the, yeah, the G twenty. The yeah, that's that's ugh. In, that's just not good. undrinkable. It's it awful. Seems to me. Yeah, I've had one hemp um, hemp beer that I liked, and actually uh, Elkmont here in Knoxville made. I think it was oh, their like okay. big hempin or something like that. All right, it was, it was actually pretty good. It had more of like the nutty seed like flavor of hemp oh, okay. rather than just that bong water yeah. stench, you know? Yeah, I think I think people need to go for the more like herbaceous flavors in it and less for the Yeah. I think they're trying to match hops. I can smell it already. This beer is like a foot and a half away from my uh-huh. face as soon as I cracked it, I was like, it smells like weed in here. Yeah, it does. <laughs> Whoa. Can you smell it from there too? Yes, I can. <laughs> So it says on the can, Jazz Cabbage Hemp IPA is our dankest beer to date, packing in hemp seeds and our very special strain of hemp flavors. This IPA will fill the room with the aromas of the choicest sticky nuts. They ain't fucking kidding. They are not kidding. Yeah. We brewed this beer by blending three high-quality hops to help complement the kind of profile of this heady IPA. I look forward to trying this Terrapin mm-hmm. 
kind of hit, hit and miss, miss was yeah. the historic. The Hopsecutioner is okay. It's okay. It's not my fave. Yeah, I've had I've had a few Terrapin brews that I've I've enjoyed, but it's never been like outstanding. Yeah. It's never like, oh, you definitely have to have that. They got one that's like a, what's it called? It's like High Five or Hang Ten. It's like some kind of surfy sort of sounding thing that's like a kind of a tropical IPA that's not bad. I just realized why I have a positive association with this. Huh. It smells like hurricane malt liquor. Does it? A little bit. It smells like either Hurricane or St. Ides malt liquor. I want to point out that you're part of a very small demographic that has like positive memories with drinking Hurricane. Yeah. I think most people would be like, oh God, it reminds me of Hurricane. You're like, oh, yeah. Hurricane. I, That's kind of sweet. It is. It is. Because like my, my friend Brian, oh man, damn. All right. I don't want to skip this. It's I, I don't ever hide my personal shit. So my friend who was a skateboarding friend who was the friend I always drank malt liquor with. <laughs> Everybody his, has their malt liquor friend. Yeah, because yeah. his uncle would buy it for us. And we would we'd gather up as much money as we could. And at that time, a, hurric- a 40 of Hurricane was 89 cents. Holy shit. So, Those were your salad days right there. Right. So we'd get together like $10 and buy 10 40s of Hurricane. And then you'd end up in the fucking ER. No. That's we would just die. drink it all the time. And that's why I have positive associations with it is because I've done it so much that the negative times are outweighed by the times that it wasn't Aww. negative. Not that it was positive, but that it wasn't negative. <laughs> Underage <laughs> drinking of shitty malt liquor. Yeah. Aww. <laughs> with your friends. <laughs> with my friends. Unfortunately, <laughs> my friend Brian died a few oh, weeks ago. shit. Yeah. Oh, man. That as sucks. a young dude, the same age as, as me, basically. And, well, like, he, he had never found his footing. Yeah, yeah. So he was, he was still just basically... Living by the seat Living the same life. Yeah, just yeah, yeah. finding money and, and buying beer. So, like, it sucks. sucks, man. It sucks a lot. I, I really like the guy. He was a sweet dude. Had a rough life. R.I.P. Well, let's raise let's, a toast yeah. to our, our fallen comrades, clinkety-clink, and see what this, this bong water memorable scenario beer is here. Yeah, it's, it's not bad. It's not great. It's just, the thing is, in That's comparison... Bad. Yeah, in comparison to all the bong water beers... Yeah. Not bad. Honestly, like, most of the... Most of the hemp is the aroma. Yeah. Like, you don't really taste mm. that weed thing. That has a little bit of that, like, nuttiness on the backside that I was talking about, you know? Okay. All right. So, when I used to serve tables... I, this was before microbrews were ready, readily available. I would drink, get a six-pack of Heineken every night. Yeah. And when a six-pack of Heineken would be a little off... Oh, yeah. This is what it tasted like. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I can, that, I can totally that, say like, that. bitterness. A little bit of bitterness, like, a little bit of skunkiness mm-hmm. to it and stuff. But in this case, it's like intentional. Right. They were going for that. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what? Now that you mentioned that, it does have a little bit of that late on the palate sweetness that Heineken has too. Mm-hmm. I drank quite a lot of Heineken while we were down in, in Colombia. Yeah. Um, also drank a lot of Colombian beers. If, oh, anybody, yeah. if anybody's listening to this and they're they're in Colombia, you know Club Colombia. It's like the number one beer in Colombia. Is it? Okay. Yeah. So it's like they're Budweiser. Oh yeah, yeah. dude. Yeah. Like in Colombia there's there's maybe like three or four different um, like breweries 
that are Columbia specific that are you know around everywhere and they're dirt cheap. Everything, mm-hmm. everything in Columbia is dirt cheap. If you yeah. want a fun South American for, vacation, for you. yeah, dirt cheap. Yeah, for if you're me. Colombian, yeah. it probably is normal price. Normal, yeah. yeah. But everybody's like fiercely loyal to like one brewery or another. But their beers on they were really interesting. They were definitely brewed for like mega hot climates and stuff because they were dry, mm-hmm. slightly bitter on the backside. Yeah, great with food. Wow, like great with like grilled meat and stuff like that. That's crazy to hear about like a, a widespread beer like that that it actually works. Yeah, instead totally. of just being plainish. Yeah, yeah. But anywhere else that didn't have that stuff, I drink like Stella or Heineken or whatever. So I can see what you mean about that, the Heineken flavor mm. being kind of sort of like that. Yeah. I don't mind that it's, at it's all. Handled. Yeah, like that's the thing is though, why would I ever buy this again? Yeah, it's yeah. a novelty beer. It's Yeah, it's... I, I just don't see the that it would allure me back over and over. It's not something I would get regularly. I wonder if eventually they'll start doing stuff like this and like putting like CBD or something in it. That would be fine with me. You know, well, yeah. Lagunitas is already fucking with that mm-hmm. stuff on the West Coast. Yeah, and, and uh, I was surprised. I tried CBD. I was very surprised, but it, it actually does do a good job. Yeah, of totally. That, like relaxant mm-hmm. part of weed. That was great for headaches and stuff too. Yeah, and so, to- totally, totally mild. Not a big deal at yeah. all. Go CBD. Yeah. All right, Steve. Now, I assume this is not the first time you have seen a cabin no. in a wood. No, I remember, in fact, the lead up to Cabin in the Woods. I See? remember because Joss Whedon was making this movie with this guy who had written for Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel, wrote for Lost and a, a couple of other shows. A big, 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 big series. And I'm like, this sounds great. Like, this was a little bit after firefly and serenity Mm -hmm. and so like everybody was kind of wanting their joss whedon fix dollhouse didn't really give us that and just so to hear he's gonna make this horror movie super excited i did not go see it in the theaters i don't remember why but i saw it as, as soon as i possibly could and i was i knew going in it was meta horror but i didn't know where it was going yeah and was so surprised by it uh, yeah, definitely. I saw this one in theaters whenever it came out, and I wasn't really hip to Joss Whedon's stuff um, at all at okay. this point whenever this came out. I'd never watched any of those series or anything, but I just remember having like quite a big buzz about it and had a big ad campaign and stuff. And I remember that being like a lot of hype about this flick, Yeah, but the advertisements for it didn't really look very good. It, it did kind of look like another... Well, as the name says, cabin in the woods kind of movie. Some kids yeah. go out to a cabin, bad stuff happens. Just yeah, very what's, what's the hook? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I I went into it being like, people are blowing up about this movie. I think it looks very fucking mundane, but whatever. Let's give it a shot. And as soon as the movie starts, well, yeah. first you've got all these like cool like paintings with all the like you know archetypes yeah, and stuff all these like different that. sacrificial paintings yeah and this is very dark dramatic time, different cultures and things yeah dude and very dark dramatic soundtrack mm-hmm. and then it just snap cuts to dudes in an office yeah the, the first image you see is a coffee machine yeah the most mundane innocuous thing mm-hmm. possible and we're greeted by, what are their names, Citizen and Hadley, mm-hmm. our Rosencrantz and Guildenstern of this movie, yeah. who are just working in this office, and they're just having mundane conversation about childproofing their cabinets and, 
yada 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 and they're in some kind of like big underground bunker base yeah it's just got that regular like harsh office lighting and yeah. stuff it just looks like work yeah everybody's wearing white shirts and mm-hmm. ties and so on just totally normal as shit and they get on like a little gator cart and they're rolling down the uh the kind of avenue there in the in the office building or bunker or whatever mm-hmm. and then you get this gigantic jump scare title mid, screen cabin in the mid woods conversation yeah it was so perfect too yes and i was like this movie's awesome yeah as already. soon as it started with that and it hit me with those title credits i was like okay this movie's doing something different it's and like the- you knew you knew within three minutes what the tone of this was and that they were actually going to be attempting to do something that subverts your expectations. And the two guys sitting there are probably two perfect guys for those roles. Bradley Whitford and Richard Jenkins. Yes. Super We've talked about actors. them both. Yeah. Uh, Bradley Whitford with Get Out, Richard Jenkins with... Uh, Bone Tomahawk. Bone Tomahawk, yeah. yeah. They, they come across as just two dudes talking about their job. Like, you don't... You have no idea from the beginning what this is and why it's happening. Are they good guys? Are they bad yeah. guys? Especially if know. you've seen the previews of the movie. Yes. Because the previews didn't show any of that stuff. No. And that that's the thing. Is like To me, I was just expecting this to be pretty teenagers getting slaughtered. Mm-hmm. And that's it. And then the movie starts with these two middle-aged guys in an office. Yeah. And it's like, okay, this is definitely not what I was expecting. Yes. And it gets slowly revealed what that is, but slowly in the way that we always talk about of showing, not telling the exposition is so light. Yes, it is. And we learn, we're still learning at the end of the movie. What's going on. Yeah. Which is just like, it, he does this great job of pulling you along with it where you never get frustrated because you don't know what's going on. You never feel left behind. Yeah, you never feel left behind. And I think that's actually very perfectly represented by Patience. The the character... Oh, yeah. Yeah, the one-armed zombie redneck pain worshiper. Pain worshiper, yeah. Buckner. uh, She's the best representation of the audience following along. Mm -hmm. Because she actually ends up at the end of the movie like she is following the movie slowly like right behind it just like us she's right behind what's happening the whole time where we're just like i see what's happening i am not sure why yeah and then she shows up right after we learn you know sigourney weaver tells us basically why they do this why they do this and and then patient shows up and does her thing yeah so like we're we're slowly pulled along, but we're never we're never left behind. No, ever. Uh-uh. And you know, it just hit me too. Before we get way super spoily about this movie, if you're just listening to this to be like, should I watch this movie or not? Yeah, go. Why, why are you doing? Yes, absolutely. It. Yeah, exactly. Uh, don't let us ruin it for you. This yeah, is kind of a weird twist sort of movie. Uh, definitely do, definitely do watch yeah, it. I just I want to put that. that out there before we get deeper into this stuff. Uh-huh. And then after we get that crazy jump scare title credits, like basically the only jump scare in the movie, the fucking credits, That's true. yeah, which is hilarious to me. Mm-hmm. Then we start cutting to what I thought the movie was gonna be about. I mean, we we have yep. like a, a, a young college girl with no pants on packing for her cabin weekend with her right. gorgeous friends. And it's like, okay, now this is more like what I was expecting. But even in that opening scene where we have, you know, um, 
what is what is her name? The big Dana? Dana. Dana. Yeah. We have Dana and her friend Jules, Jules and all and them we getting see Kurt. ready. We see Holden. He's the guy who catches the ball on the street. Yeah. Then Marty pulls up. We smoke pouring out of his car. We kind of get the idea of who's who, but not entirely because they don't fit the tropes, the archetypes. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's the thing is like this movie definitely plays with. Tropes and anti-tropes, even from the get-go. Like yeah. I said, this opening scene, you're like, okay, I know what's going on here. Yeah. You don't, though. You don't, because Kurt's an athlete, but he's smart. Yeah. He shows us he's very intelligent from the beginning. Dana is supposed to be the virginal one, but she's fucking your teacher. Yeah. Jules is supposed to be the dumb one, but she's obviously witty and gets everything the other two are saying. Yeah. There's, there's no reason to believe that Holden is nerdy, but he becomes the the nerd type mm-hmm. of character. The only one who is very clear from the beginning, Marty. Yeah, pretty much. You know he's the fool. Man. Immediately, you but know he, he fits that role. But he also has more insight about exactly. what's going on than everybody else, yes. too. So even, even he, he subverts his tropes. it very clearly, he subverts it, yeah. Yeah. Well, and even the fact that, you know... Again, another horror trope is to have this secret plot all along. Oh, they're right. being manipulated, whatever. Yes. Yeah, because yeah, we could have never seen the organization yeah. until they go down that elevator shaft. Yep. But even the fact that the movie starts with showing, oh yeah, look, here's this underground base and these people that do this for a job and yeah. stuff, that is even shaking off a trope right away too. Yeah, not showing it could still make a good movie. I think so. But showing it from the beginning is subverted. It made it It's immediately subversive. And I, I, let me get into some of the production stuff because we need to talk about what it's subverting. Mm. Because Joss Whedon said that they were trying to, and I quote, Ben, I did not make this up. Quoth me. <laughs> that they were trying to revitalize the slasher genre doesn't feel anything like a slasher this isn't a slasher Mm -hmm. but it hits all the slasher tropes it just has tropes that aren't slasher tropes as well Hmm. things that are way outside of slasher tropes yeah like the whole organization thing Mm -hmm. all of that is not slasher no huh but the cabin the kids the tropes that the the archetypes they fit the people killing them, like all of that stuff fits slasher. That fits into a slasher, yeah. Right. Well, you know, the thing is, and, and we'll get more deeper into, I think, the, the real commentary on horror and horror audiences and stuff as we yeah. get on into the show here, but I guess in a way you could sort of say that what they were doing with this movie in terms of it trying to revitalize the slasher genre is almost just trying to have this finality of being like, okay, audiences, you guys want to see the fool and the slut and the virgin yeah. and all that stuff. Look, we've done this to death. We've been doing this since the beginning of the time. This is over. Can we move on to something else now? Yeah. I can see that as them being like, well, again, as Marty says, we need to let society crumble. Just burn it to the ground yeah. and rebuild. You know, Maybe okay. that's what they're trying to say about the entire slasher genre. It's like, let can me, we be done with these tropes now? Let me give you some history that might back up some of that uh, and we'll talk about it give a little bit. Give me that historia. Alright, so uh, Drew Goddard, writer and director of this movie. Drew Goddard was working under Joss Whedon as a staff writer at Buffy and Angel and then moved over to work with J.J. Abrams on Alias and Lost. And he 
basically told J.J. Abrams this idea he had for what would become Cloverfield. Oh, cool. So he wrote Cloverfield, and that was a few years before this. Writing Cloverfield basically got him over. Like, it, it got him to be like, oh, okay. So the, he, he worked for Joss Whedon, he worked for J.J. Abrams, and now he has written a successful movie. What do you want to do now? Wow. People were ready to hear his his voice. Yeah, they wanted to hear what he's up to. So he co-wrote Cabin in the Woods with Joss Whedon in three days. Yeah, I heard they just kind of like locked themselves into a fucking hotel mm. room or something and just smashed this thing out, right? Now, that sounds probably crazy to anyone who sat down and tried to write a screenplay, but you have to remember, this is Joss Whedon. Joss Whedon was a staff writer on Roseanne. That's where we get him from. Whoa. We get him from Roseanne. He's been in the industry that long. Yes. I thought he was like a young cat. No, not really. No. Huh, okay. This is the Joss Whedon that created Buffy, the movie, and the series. This is the guy who was a script doctor on Speed, Twister, the first X-Men, the first two Thors, the first two Captain Americas. This nice. is the guy who wow. directed Avengers. He knows how to write a movie quickly. Yeah. Wow. Drew Goddard, he had been working as a staff writer. He had written Cloverfield. They know how to get in there and just be like, okay, blah, blah, blah. This happens. This type of character is X, blah, blah, blah. Like, you don't actually have to, to I would say, three days in, what they had was a very rough script. They did not have a finalized script. They didn't have this beautifully Every polished word draft, dialogue. Yeah. But they had the story, the characters. They knew what it was going to be. So if you're out there worrying, I can't write a script in three days. Yeah, nobody really can. But if you're, you know, practiced enough and you have enough clout, your final draft that is probably shit is considered a first draft because you've already got the fame. So three days, you know, that probably wasn't much of a script. But that, still, that's cool. That was yeah. an amazing idea to sit in a room and just force it out. So after they crushed this thing out, did they start shopping it around and it got picked up? Yeah, or? so shopping it around wasn't actually a problem. They, they were easily kind of able to get MGM to make the movie because they both had clout. They had both been making these successful projects up to this point. But then MGM was having financial troubles, which it's just not something you expect to happen if you're making a movie where you're talking about a multi-million, like tens of millions, hundreds of millions of dollars uh, production company. Yeah. And then suddenly they're struggling with money. You don't just don't <laughs> expect it. You see that kind of thing all the time, like the whole new line story and stuff. Yeah. yeah. So MZM became concerned basically with the money and they had slated it for release in February of 2010. Now, again, this, this came out in 2012. 2012. Yeah. So they, they were ready to release it in February 2010, but then they delayed it until January of the next year so they could make it 3D. Now, this is going to be a period of time that if you didn't live through it, you won't believe it. But do you guys remember when everything was 3D? Everything was fucking 3D. And dude. they were trying to force it so hard? Yes. And they've done it so many times throughout history. They'll do it again. 
Oh, dude. They'll do it again. Yeah. yeah. And it's going to fail again because people don't want to see 3D. It doesn't make the movie better. It y'all. does not improve the movie. No. Anyway. It doesn't matter which way you're doing it with your fucking red and blue glasses or the yeah. new ones that are like gray. So it fucks up all the coloration of everything. <sighs> it sucks. 3D stupid. So MGM was wasting their time on trying to convert to 3D, which is probably why they were like, oh, this is costing us too much because they'd already made the movie. The movie's done. This is where I go crazy when I see MGM has a finished product of a movie. That's this good. And then they're like, well, we can't afford it because we can't turn it 3D. Just don't put it out in well, 3D, Well, then idiots. don't make it 3D. You're not going to lose anything. I had no idea that that was part of the, the history of this movie is that, yeah. that 3D fad that we went through back then. Yeah. So MGM basically just shelved it. and Dude, eventually that sucks. Yeah. Eventually, the distribution rights were sold to Lionsgate. Now, Drew Goddard said that, of course, he wished it had come out as soon as they made it. But he was very happy that it ended up at Lionsgate because Lionsgate didn't ask him to remove anything. They didn't ask him to change anything, do anything different. Hmm, they had a faith lot, in the project. Yeah, a yeah. lot of distribution companies would have been like, we like what you're doing, but could you do some pickup shots to make it a little peppier and yeah. happier? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But no, Lionsgate was just like, cool, cool movie. Yeah, it's good. Let's put Sweet, it out. Sweet, bro. Let's put it out. That's awesome. So it, it turned out good for them. The movie... In the end, I mean, the it made about thirty million over budget, which, but budget is always a slippery thing in Hollywood. They give a number that doesn't tend to include the amount that they spent on advertising. Yeah, which can oftentimes be as much as as much costs. as the budget of the movie. So you never know if a movie actually made the money back. But yeah, you say movie, you say thirty over, but that yeah. might not have covered. This movie probably made a little bit of money because the the advertising budget on it wasn't huge, but it also sat around for a long time just sort of waiting. So Hmm. they're just lost money there. Anyway, so Drew Goddard and and Joss Joss Sweden, they nailed this movie and to really nail it, they brought in some awesome people that as soon as I started reading these names I was like oh they knew what they were doing they brought in the cinematographer from Evil Dead 2 I mean that's not the only thing he did that was just the first thing he did he's yeah, done a ton of other damn stuff big horror accolade right, right there yeah. which is awesome too that they like got him and then made it a movie where it's people in a cabin like, yeah oh he, and he's it, on his own stomping I mean, ground that cabin you know? is obviously designed after obviously, the Evil Dead yeah without a doubt so Peter Diming is his name and then to do special effects, which are, as far as I could tell, very minimally, if any, CGI. Yeah, I mean, things like giant snakes and ghosts yeah. and stuff like that. I think yeah, maybe the, the big bat creature may have been yeah. slight CGI. Yeah, but other, CGI. otherwise, like, everybody was people yeah. with costumes, with uh, prosthetics and applications and stuff. So to do special effects, they brought an AFX studio, which is David Anderson's company. Now, who the hell's David Anderson, you ask? Huh? 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 Who's well, that? that's Heather Langenkamp's husband. Dios mio! Yeah, that Heather Langenkamp. Now the people who don't know Heather Langenkamp are like, which Heather Langenkamp? Oh. The one from Nightmare on Elm Street. That one. Yeah. She and her husband run an FX company and they were brought in to do this. So we, we have the cinematographer from Evil Dead and the final girl from Nightmare on Elm Street. Pretty bad. Working on the movie, but not even in the movie. 
Like the movie itself. They got alumni behind the scenes. This I've talked about this so many times. Like it's so annoying to me when they bring in actors to just be like, huh? Remember she was in that classic horror movie. But when they're bringing in people who worked on the movie, you never even see them in front of the screen because they want that feel. They want to be able to like create this feel of these 80s slashers, which you really see when you see all the different creature designs, like all these different 80s and early 90s uh, slasher slash horror movies are kind of represented. You got the pinhead type of guy with the saw blades coming out of his head and the instead of a square puzzle. Yeah, it's it's a, like the ball. Yeah, sphere. You got the, the, the ghosts that are kind of Frighteners-esque. Yeah. You see. Some Strangers-esque characters. Right, Strangers characters. Masks. An awesome looking werewolf. Dude, that werewolf looks great. Like, fantastic. Yeah. And it's a guy in a suit. Like, it's definitely not yeah. CG or anything. It looks great. It looks awesome. Even the, the evil clown in there mm-hmm. looks killer. And that fucking mermaid. Oh my god. That fucking mermaid. That was perfect. Like, because... The setup of it was already Wonderful. there, but it could have just been a joke. They yeah, could have just left like, it. I was really hoping we got mermaid. Yeah, they could yeah. have just left it as a joke. and We'd all be like, yeah, it's funny. But then they follow up on it yeah. and have him get killed by one of the mermaids. Hoisted on his own petard. <laughs> Dude, I remember whenever I watched that in the theater and he's laying there on the ground and you hear like the wet slapping mm-hmm. coming across the floor. And he's like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> And it's this hideous fucking merman. I mean, he just looks disgusting. Yes. Starts chewing on him, and the blood comes out the blowhole. I was like, God (laughs) damn it. This movie is the shit. It's so good, man. Yeah, Yeah, all those character designs and stuff are amazing. They look fantastic. They had, uh, they said, uh, close to a thousand people turned into 60 different monster designs. Golly. So you see, you kind of get the scope of it when they're in the elevator and they're all in those cubes and it backs out. Yeah. And you see all these different creatures that you, some of them you don't even see when they're released. Mm-hmm. Like some of them you get more of an up close view of, but there's just so many different types of creatures. And I love that they, they say like the guy the the guard that they bring in whose last name is truman and who's supposed to obviously represent us who don't know what's going on and need to be like told Mm -hmm. about everything they the scientists from the chem department tells him he says they're like the things of nightmares and she's like actually they're what nightmares are made of this is where our nightmares come from these were the things that existed before us and so all these terrible, horrific, scary-looking creatures, they were the things covering the earth before humans came along. Yeah, or like prehistory and shit. Crazy. Yeah, yeah. There's kind of this like Lovecraftian lore about this movie, mm-hmm. and I think it's very explicit when they start talking about the old ones. Mm-hmm. They say ancient ones, they say old ones, elder gods, all yeah. that sort of stuff where I mean, it's that's like Lovecraftian. Yeah. Lovecraft. And I remember whenever I watched this movie the first time... I thought that it was kind of a narrative on how all horror and all the things that we, you know, play with in horror movies and stuff like that are all in some way like paying tribute to the old master of horror like mm-hmm. H.P. Lovecraft and the yeah. old gods. Yeah, and you all go, I mean, they all go back to Bram Stoker to, yeah, Lovecraft yeah. to all these other people that, I mean, Stephen King's our modern master, but people are always just drawing from things that have already come because 
we came up with the scariest shit you could come up with thousands of years ago, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Like people who lived in caves and struggle to eat meat because of harsh winters and things, the fears they had they are probably real much shit. deeper than anything we've ever felt. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That kind of goes into the origins of, of horror and why we like horror and why yeah. we... It's uh, a safe place to play. Yeah, why yeah. we seek it out and stuff. Well, I think you said it a long time ago on the show, but you're like, you like horror because, kind of like what you were talking about earlier, it lets you think about the worst case scenario. Mm-hmm. So that way when things go bad, it's not yeah. really something new to you. If there if there is a, a knife-gloved man in my dreams, I have a pretty good I idea what, what to do. do. You turn your back on him and steal steals power away mm-hmm. from him. Or let him turn me into a cockroach just for fun. Yeah. Then wake story up. To tell. I'm a cockroach. But yeah, I think that this movie kind of toys around with some of those ideas about how everything is just in homage of, you know, the old gods of horror, yeah. so to speak. I think I get a little bit different impression of what this movie is kind of going for uh, these okay. days, but that was kind of the first impression that I got out of it. It's so cool. It's like there's this definite built-in mythology with this flick that, like you said, is never really explicitly stated, but I noticed some fun things this time around where like... Even in that very opening sequence with the guys hanging out at the at the the coffee maker and stuff, yeah, they're they're already talking about how things are going wrong. Yes, which yeah, is they're cool. already in the process because the central premise of this is that there are these ancient ones who require a very specific sacrifice, and each country is trying to make that sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Elsewise, the old gods come back and destroy right. everything. And it seems like each different country has different qualifications. Because when we see we see mostly the Japanese girls. Yeah. And what we see <laughs> is that awesome. it's a group of cute little schoolgirls. Japanese schoolgirls. Who end up turning like, a spirit into a frog. Yeah. And it yeah. looks like Samara and stuff like yeah. floating around the room. Yeah. So over there, they don't have these five different tropes apparently they oh, have something so. else going on yeah 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 Yeah, that's true they don't have the jock and the fool mm-hmm. and yada yada huh yeah i thought about that so the ancient ones will accept particular sacrifices but it has to be to exact specifications seems it seems like it has to be of cultural relevance or value that would be yeah okay so what that would then indicate is that either that the ancient ones are guided by culture or more possibly and more likely they guide culture mm, they wow. make the decisions that guide what we see and intake and and enjoy it's hmm, pretty sick yeah but yeah they definitely make it clear that these things happen all over the world yeah and some of them are starting to starting to fail right so and, we're running into some issues yeah exactly exactly and i think that that in itself, like saying that these things are starting to fail mm-hmm. around the world, uh, and you're starting to see people stand up to their fears and their monsters and stuff like that that are attacking them in these various cultures. Mm-hmm. I almost think that that's kind of a commentary on the idea that if horror movies keep making these same trope things happen over and over and over and over and again in their movies, it quits being scary. Then let me read you a Joss Whedon quote. Okay. That's relevant. Give me a read. So, oh wait, this isn't Joss Whedon, is it? It's Jack Skellington. It's either Drew Goddard or Joss Whedon said this. 
It's a serious critique of what we love and what we don't about horror movies. Okay, I can see it. I love being scared. I love that mixture of of thrill and horror, that objectification identification thing of wanting definitely for the people to be all right, but at the same time, hoping they'll go somewhere dark and face something awful. Yeah. The things I don't like are kids acting like idiots, the devolution of the horror movie into the torture porn and into a long series of sadistic comeuppances. That kind of sums up this movie. Yeah. Wow. This this movie is basically just taking those tropes and saying, like, they're they're tired. Yeah, I think so, too. And, And we're tired of them. Yeah, I think that that's a huge commentary in this. And there's so many ways that you can look at it and it's really kind of fun to explore, too, because you can watch this movie from the perspective of, okay, the stuff that's happening to the kids in the cabin is a horror movie. Yeah. The people that are there in the office that are calling the that's shots. That's a comedy. Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah that, totally. Yeah. yeah. And the people that are in the office calling the shots and flipping the switches and all that stuff and making bets mm-hmm. on who's going to die and like waiting for titties to come out and stuff. Yeah. That's the audience watching a horror movie. That's us watching here's, this. Here's what I'll say. Here's what I, I'm going to take it a step further and say that they're they're not the audience. They're the crew on the film set. That's what I was getting that same okay. direction too. Yeah, and the audience the is the ones. ancient ones. I think so. Yeah, we're yep. the ones who are the cause of this. Yep, we made this happen. We demand to have the same yep. shit happen over and over and over. Uh huh. Yep. And the question at the end of the movie is: Is this acceptable? Right. We didn't kill the virgin and we didn't kill the fool. Is that okay? And it seems from the reception of the audience and the amount of money that it made. Yeah, it's fine. We don't need everybody to die. Yeah. Everybody doesn't have to die. I know what you mean because that's that's kind of the impression that I got out of this as well. Is like watching this knowing that the old gods, like you said, are the audience the consumers Mm -hmm. the people in the office like you said are the film crew making this horror movie happen because they are they're orchestrating this entire thing for the entertainment of the old ones right us as the audience being the old ones and I I don't think like they seem to take some joy in it but I don't think it's the type of like they're not sadistic it's Mm -hmm. just kind of like they recognize it's a job for them yeah it's a job and they recognize the reality of if this doesn't happen absolute destruction of humanity yeah so we're not happy about it, but also we're saving humanity. So we're kind of happy about it. But then at the same time, like what you get out of it is that if the old ones or the typical horror audience aren't satisfied, if they don't get those things, if they don't get mm-hmm. the fool and the boobs and the jock and yeah. stuff like that, then they will be unsatisfied and destroy the world. Uh, in this case, the the horror film industry that they'll just throw a tantrum. Yeah, and be like, you didn't give me what I expected. Fuck you. Yeah, okay. I think that that's kind of a commentary on the fact that there are there are a lot of horror fans that just don't want to see something different. They just want to yeah. see the things that they expect that they've already seen a million other times and just see it happen again and again. I mean, they make it obvious in this movie that this same plot line has been going on since the beginning of time. Right. I you mean, know? it's changed. Like, they make that clear that it... Like, uh, what's his name? Bradley Whitford, whatever the character's name. He says, 
Remember when we used to be able to just throw a girl into a volcano and then right. Richard Jenkins says, I'm not that old. So yeah, like, yeah. It's like it's, virgin it's, sacrifice. It's, yeah, it's yeah. going back to the beginning where it was just like, oh, okay, if we don't want a volcano to explode, what if we just throw this girl in there and then it doesn't explode? And they're like, okay, probably not. Yeah. Probably that was why it didn't explode. And, and it's advanced from that to these more elaborate, like in the opening, as you said, like it's showing like Aztec, Egyptian rituals, like different rituals throughout time that are obviously more and more elaborate. And this one has gotten to the point where it is excessively elaborate. They've created a, a wall around the cabin, like a, a yeah, like, fake honeycomb uh-huh. weird barrier wall. They, they've made a way to blow the tunnel. They have drugs that sort of induce them towards these things it's i mean all of that comes i i would say for sure the drugs at least come from the past i ideas of human sacrifice like most the aztecs i believe were pretty heavily sedating and drugging the sacrifice Mm. victims same in in peru and things like that they still find people with all these crazy hallucinogens in their system that were sacrificed midsummer too yes that's what i was gonna say and this movie leads to midsummer which i would say midsummer in some ways is a meta horror movie because it's saying this is it like this this is where it comes from the the source idea of the horror movie is the sacrifice where we would all come together and we would expel our darkness all together by slaughtering something innocent. Yeah. And now we do it by watching horror movies. We come together, we dwell in the darkness, let innocence die or whatever, and then we move on. We feel better. And we want it again next year. Yeah, we want it again. Yeah. Next Halloween, we'd like it to happen again. Wow. Wow. Yeah, I think that I think that it very much is a a love letter and a diss to to everything horror. I mean, yeah. because there there's so many things in this, like all the references and uh, oh yeah, they're spoofs heavy. and stuff like that that are very obviously made by people that love classic horror movies. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, I don't think that they put any of that stuff in the movie as like a belittling mm-hmm. or um, you know negative critique. I mean, kind of thing. The inclusion of the strangers is is saying like there are still good There's horror still good movies. shit here yeah because yeah, the sure. strangers were just a few years before this right yeah so they're they were saying like there's still there's still good stuff out there but we we really need to step it up yeah yeah but, but like i said i think the commentary on the fact that you know this this typical trope narrative is stopping working around the world and people are defeating their fears yeah because it's just the same shit over and over and over and again yeah, in the nobody's genre. afraid yeah and then also too just the whole temper tantrum that the old gods throw yeah that they don't get exactly what they want mm-hmm. and and even too like here's another thing about this movie that i find to be kind of an anti-trope and also kind of a fuck you to typical horror movies and and even horror fans in a way the movie ends with the world ending. Maybe. Fuck your sequels. I mean, that's that's the assumption, and I think it's right that the ancient gods are like, yeah, fuck this. I, which is a real interesting, like, they're crawling out of their basement to voice their displeasure. Yeah, sounds like <laughs> nerds. nerds. Yeah, sounds like fucking nerds, right? Exactly. <laughs> like, they're crawling out of their depth to de- voice their displeasure. So, yeah, they're... they're the end of this is the end of humanity, we would assume. So yeah, no no sequel to that. Highest hey, kill count of any movie ever. 
Yep, <laughs> the entirety of humanity. Actually, you know what? In in game probably is is higher because this is just Earth that got destroyed. I, Half of the entire universe and well, uh, yeah, everything. Yeah, so yeah. that would that would be that'd be the most. I wow! Would Holy shit! <laughs> Way to go in game. No kidding. God damn, man, brutal. They go hard. They do. Avengers go hard, man. But yeah, it's like I think that even the the fact that this movie ends with. In my eyes, a pretty definitive. There is no sequel. The world ended. Yeah, it is even kind of like an anti trope to and horror. And Drew Goddard and and Joss Whedon have both said that, like, yeah, that they're not going to close the door that there might ever be a sequel, but they just don't see a reason why there would be. I just think the it should ending just, be a standalone. just indicates like done. Yeah, that that's it. But doesn't that say so much about the about the film industry and stuff too, though that these people that are working the office, which like we said, we kind of interpret as a film crew, mm-hmm. they work for the old ones. I mean, they're working right. to keep them satisfied. Us. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. They're working to keep us satisfied. Yeah. I yeah. mean, ultimately the consumer is always in control yep. of every situation. If you don't want it, quit putting dollars into it, you know? Yeah. I mean, that, that seems to be true until you recognize that, uh, there is some audience out there that just will buy whatever. Yeah, not because they think keep about making Transformers option. movies. Yeah, <laughs> and not one of them has been good. That's what I hear. I heard that 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 Bumblebee movie was actually pretty okay. Hmm. I heard. All right, I'll be the judge of that. I'll be the judge. Of- I, the- I probably won't be. I probably won't watch it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, no, probably not. But yeah, man, I like too that you kind of get this. You, you kind of get this insight into the life of the sacrificial lamb when it figures out that it's stuck in a horror movie as a sacrifice like the fact that yeah it's like you have these tropey jock and dumb blonde and stuff like that but then like dana and and marty especially we really get to know those characters and they figure out that they're cogs in a wheel it's like yeah they escape from the horror movie that they're in yeah and that what you just said is the other subversive element to this this movie like people who think that you shouldn't talk politics and horror first off are idiots because all horror movies are political. Yeah. But this one in particular is very political in saying like, you have to take an active role to change this. You have to do something to blow this up. Mm -hmm. I mean, the line, the line that Marty says early on where he said society needs to crumble. We're all just too chicken shit to let it. Yeah. Like, that's amazing foreshadowing, but it's also a very deeply political statement that the way things work currently don't work. But the thing about this is, this can also be foreshadowing the rise of Trump. Yeah, no kidding. Because that is a lot of why he got voted for. Is people were like, I won't shake up the system. Start of the establishment. Yeah. And, yeah. like, I would absolutely agree with that. I mean, that's the one thing we agree with. Uh, Trump supporters on is yeah something needs to change <laughs> yeah Trump's not the one to do it's it not the one I wanted no. but okay I mean, he's not changing anything in any way I would no, like no. and it's certainly monstrous and seems like the end of the world for sure yeah so this movie is very resonant with the current time especially yeah. with saying things like that and even like Sigourney Weaver her line just destroyed me where she is talking about the end of the world, but she she says she says to them because um, this is right at the end. Obviously, where 
they're learning why they have to die or whatever. And Sigourney Weaver, the director, is her character's name. Mm -hmm. She says, we're not talking about change. We're talking about the agonizing death of every human on the planet. And I really feel like those are perfect bookends. The idea that we're too chicken shit to change and that the change that we end up getting isn't change, but destruction. Like, it's very resonant with current times, but also like saw a future where we would want change and then be given it by the wrong people Mm, where the change would actually end up being worse Hmm. to the destruction of humanity. Yeah. But again, they didn't know anything about that. So obviously they weren't writing about that. They they were just saying like, yeah, you change would be good, but it could be bad as well. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is I think that they were trying to refer to, Hopefully, changing the 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 ideas and stereotypes and tropes of the entire horror mm-hmm. genre. I mean, you could look at this movie as just being the final nail in the coffin of like, okay, guys, are we done with the Virgin? Are we done with the yeah. Jock? Are we not fucking done with this by now? Yeah, I think that this movie is trying to put that nail in the coffin of those characters and say, can we not move on and try something different? Because we've been telling that same story for so long, you know. And I would say. That since this movie, since two, since this movie was written and made, 2010, we have seen an improvement in horror. There's been some dope stuff come out. Babadook, The Witch, yeah. Black Coat's Daughter. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, oh, the one with Bradley Whitford. Shit. Uh, Jordan Peele. Yeah, get out. Get out. There we go. Yeah, like we've seen this revolution in horror where people were like, yeah, you're right. Like everything does need to change. We need to stop relying on these old tropes, falling back on these old archetypes. We need to start doing something different. And it's working. I mean, not every movie that's come out since then has worked, but a lot of movies have taken some big swings yeah, totally. and really tried to do something different. Well, and I mean, and guess what? It's like all those movies that you just named off, even though they're, there's some of our favorite horror movies that we've ever talked about here on the show. It's like, mm-hmm. there's so many people that fucking hate those movies because they yeah. don't feature a, a big titty virgin getting slashed. Exactly. They want that. They still want the same old thing and they yeah. don't realize like, Oh, you can still watch those movies that have that. Yeah, and explore other new things as well, you know? Yeah, um, there are tons of new movies that fit your criteria, (laughs) definitely. Yeah, Yeah, horror fans a lot of times are, and again, this will piss a lot of people off, I'm sure, but very much like metal fans. It's like Mm -hmm. a lot of times metal fans can be so set in their ways and so close-minded, especially from my experience, people that are really into like black and death metal and stuff holy shit they can be some of the most narrow-minded listeners in the musical world and uh you know i think part of that's because those are such extreme genres the same way that horror is such an extreme genre so it tends to breed people with extreme opinions you know yeah and there are still so many people in horror that yeah like i said if it's not those tropes they don't seem to care about it so when they see a movie that tries something different like the witch yeah. And it doesn't... They just get bored. Yeah, it doesn't suit their expectations. Well, then it's out. 
I, I just don't know how you can watch a movie where a baby gets killed and squashed into a poultice oh my God, as not an awesome horror movie. Oh, man. <laughs> Fuck, I love that movie so much. Yeah. I can't wait to watch The Lighthouse, dude. Oh, man. Yeah. It looks I'm incredible, very man. I saw a review today that said, it's like a mix between The Shining and Moby Dick. And I'm like, oh, count me the fuck wow. in. Okay. Yeah. I'm interested. So this movie, too, is so effective because our, our cast of characters, our, our hapless teens and these people that are in the office and stuff, are so fantastic. And I like, too, that they cast mainly pretty unknown people in this. This yeah, is kind of like I before mean, the yeah, rise of Hemsworth. You see Thor, but he wasn't Thor. Yeah, this is pre-Thor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the other kids, like, I don't know. They weren't really anybody super noteworthy at the time. No. Uh, Fran Kranz, the guy who plays Marty, he Fran Kranz. That is his name. What? He yeah. He was no. He was in like Donnie Darko in Orange County, The Village. Oh, oh wait. But he didn't play the biggest roles. Orange in those. County. It's been forever since I watched that. Was he in there? Yeah. He wasn't the main kid. He wasn't was the he? main. No, that's Colin Hanks. Okay. Yeah. Holy shit. Okay. But yeah, they really not a listers. Yeah, they're not people that that would immediately be recognized when it was made. Though by 2012, I'm pretty sure Chris Hemsworth was already Thor, so it was like, yeah, that's Thor. But before that, it would have been like, I don't know who that is. Yeah, he's handsome. Uh, yeah, everybody does such a good job, man. It's like everybody does a great job of being their typical, you know, archetype that they're supposed mm-hmm. to represent, while also being, well, I mean, just like a lot of those archetypes that you meet in real life, dude. It's like. I've known jocks that were extremely smart. I've yeah, known the thing. gorgeous blondes that were extremely smart. Yeah, it's like, they they don't fit the mold of the, not often of the archetypes that they're then forced into. Mm-hmm. It, it really does. This movie, despite the fact that we hear from the organization like, "Oh, we can't force them into anything," or blah blah blah, but what it they know is that if we do this specific thing, there's almost always the same result. So if we boost the pheromones and make the moon come through the, the branches just right, it will make her take her top off. Yeah. Well, I mean, Sigourney says we work with what we got. It's like yeah. me, a virgin. Eh, we work with what we yeah. got. Yeah. I mean, the, the blonde wasn't even blonde yeah. before the movie. <laughs> she, right. Yeah. She hair dyed her hair. Stuff. The, the jock was obviously intelligent. The other jock who plays the smart kid showed no intelligence. That's kind like, of the thing. Yeah. He's supposed to be the nerd, but it's like, honestly, the nerdiest thing he does is like he wears glasses halfway through the movie. Yeah. He suddenly puts on glasses and now he can lead, read Latin. Yeah. It's like, he's yeah. not really that much more of a nerd than the jock is an idiot. Yeah. But they're all being drugged. They're like, they're not making their own decisions they're not making their own choices which is what that that quote i said before about stupid kids making dumb decisions that that is what most horror movies were and sometimes are now is that just very predictable but not predictable in a way where it's like yeah i would have done that oh no the result was bad but just like oh they'll do the dumbest possible thing Oh, I like, though, whenever the movie does get into that stuff. And like you said, they start releasing the pheromones that make uh, Hemsworth be like, I think we should split up. Mm -hmm. But like Marty, because he's like inoculated from all this stuff by the weed he's smoking. He's like, what? That's the dumbest idea possible. And I love when he's in his room and he starts hearing that voice. It's like, take a walk. What the fuck? He's like, what the fuck? (laughs) Like, I know I'm hearing this shit right now. 
Like he starts noticing the bad decisions, the dumb decisions right. that are being made. He's yeah. like us watching the movie. Exactly. Like he's the like whole a real way, horror fan. He's like the real horror fan who's like, I recognize all of this as bad. Yeah. Uh, knowing what I know from horror movies, there's no way that the current set of events is going to lead to a positive outcome. <laughs> right. Yeah. He's like a real horror fan. Yeah. Watching this movie. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Look it at is. It. It's cool. He's our, he's our way in. And then our way into the organization is that guard who has no idea what's going on except that he's supposed to guard these people and then the the Kim lab lady reveals some stuff to him and then the our two operators reveal some stuff to him, which is basically their way of giving us the exposition. Mm-hmm. So we have the one guy who knows everything who's then revealing those things to everybody in the cabin, which is a good exposition if you don't know horror movies. And then you have this separate guy who's the good exposition... For this specific, very different slasher situation that is part slasher, part comedy, part sci-fi, part like, like, I don't like, even though it hits the slasher tropes, it's, it just never feels like a slasher. No, I don't think a lot of that's because there's, there's no central killer monster. Yeah. That's the thing is when I was taking my notes. I didn't really write anything down about that cannibal pain worshiping family because they're not really important. They're a tool of the organization. Yeah. Like their backstory is fake. I, I assume like it, cause they, they tell us they've existed before humanity. So their backstory is just this created backstory to then use these horrors against these kids. Yeah. But yeah, I don't. I I don't think. I don't think that calling this like because even Wikipedia doesn't say this is a slasher. Only Drew Goddard and and Joss Whedon have made that assertion. I see the tropes. I don't. I don't think in the end it warrants being called a slasher. No, yeah. I don't either. No, to me, it, it's a horror movie about horror movies. It's a horror movie yeah. for horror fans. Yeah, because the inclusion of, say, like, Hellraiser, like the, the Hellraiser type, type guy, the pinhead yeah. type character, uh, the inclusion of ghosts, ghosts aren't slasher, werewolves, like, it, it seems more over... Um, overarching. Overarching, yeah, me. just covering all of horror. But at the same time, it's like, I've met numerous people that aren't really that into horror movies that saw this and loved it. They thought it was great. Okay. And I'm like, that's cool. I'm glad that you yeah. enjoy it and you got something out of it. Like, I wonder how much of this narrative that we're talking about came through to you. Or if you were just able mm-hmm. to yeah, watch it as like you a, get, or was it just the humor of it that yeah, you enjoyed? Which to me is fine either yeah, way. Absolutely fine. You know, to me the mark the humor of humor is solid. Yeah, totally. Well, and to me the mark of a really great flick like that is like you kind of get out of it what you put into it. True. You know, I mean, you can watch The Shining as a haunted house movie and it's fantastic. Yeah. You can watch it as a movie about the entire history of America if you want to, and that's sure. awesome too. Yeah. You know, I like the fact that this movie isn't just a cork sniffer, mega horror nerd yeah. exclusive. Like, you Ooh, can watch this. Notes of tobacco. Yeah, exactly. It's like you can watch this as a non horror maniac and still have a good time with it just because yeah. it's, it's different. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing is like, even to going back to our, our talk about how this is kind of a, a narrative on horror fans, the fact that people that aren't even giant horror fans can watch something like this that's so different and so non-traditional and have a good time with it, that's proof that these archetypes are dead. 
Yeah, it is. It really is. Like this movie getting enjoyment mm-hmm. from non-hardcore horror fans is all the proof that you need. People are okay with something different. Yeah, they really are. And they want it. Yeah. They want something different. And I, I think that the success of a lot of the indie horror movies of the past decade has, has really shown that. that yeah. People just want something different. They do want, they, people still want to be scared, but they're not scared watching your tired old tropes. That's what I'm saying, man. Yeah. Like watching the jock and watching mm-hmm. the version and all that kind of stuff. It's like, we've seen it so many times. We all know it. Let's shake it up. Let's do something different. Please. Yeah. It's yeah. about time. You know, what do you think about the, the humor elements in this flick? Cause I think that they're fantastic. They're absolutely on point. Like, like, the, I would say Marty and the two main operators are our like central sources of humor, but everybody's funny. Yeah, everybody's got funny spots yeah, in there, which is more accurate to life. Like every, all this group of friends are in some way funny. Yeah, there's not the one funny guy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, like even the dumb blonde before they get to the cabin, there's that he has uh, Chris Hemsworth has the book and he's like, learned it where did you. you see? Where did you get this? Yeah. Who gave this to you? It's good. Yeah. It's really funny. Like everybody is funny in it. I love the part too in this one that like you were talking about that the Japanese schoolgirls uh-huh. like win and they turn the little they'll live as a he'll live as a frog You're forever so and they're so happy and they sing their little Yay. song and then he's like fuck you fuck, fuck you, you fuck you <laughs> he's little, so pissed cute little Japanese girls fuck you fuck, fuck you. you it's so good man and all the humor with the harbinger earlier in the movie mm-hmm. which again that, I mean talk yeah. about a trope Am and, I and the whole phone? The, the, yeah. <laughs> Oh my god! And the whole like gas station scene and yeah. all that stuff, like it's all so cliche. Don't go up that road. Don't go down that road. It's got a death curse. <laughs> I love when he's like, you know damn well which war. <laughs> Would this be the one with some in gray and, and others some in blue? blue? Yeah, brothers fighting one another. <laughs> god, dude, it's so funny, man. And there's little stuff in there too that just cracks me up. Like whenever you know Marty rolls up. Smoking his like giant coffee cup uh-huh. bong and stuff. Yeah, and he takes the effort to lock his car door, but his windows down. Yeah, just little stuff yeah. like that. That's fucking perfectly stones type of activity where you're like, oh, I need to lock my door. Cool, it's locked. All right, yeah. But the windows mm. down. I don't remember why I locked that door. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, he like Marty has some of the best lines in that gas station scene. He says. Because Chris Hemsworth tries to get gas and he's like, it's not working. He's like, I don't think it knows about money. I <laughs> think this is barter, barter gas. <laughs> Streets paved with actual streets. Uh-huh. He says so many funny stuff, funny things, but he yeah. also has some of those poignant lines. Yeah, he does. Where he walks we outside. We are not who we like, are. We are not who we are, he says. I thought there'd be stars. I thought there'd That's be cool. stars. What? Like, what the fuck? Yeah. He's just, like, he's got all the depth and the humor. And then he starts, like, realizing what's going on. And he thinks he's on a reality TV show. Mm-hmm. He's like, I'm on a reality TV show. My parents are going to think I'm such a burnout. Yeah. And he's, like, pull through <laughs> that window. Great, a great uh, Friday the 13th reference there. Pull Absolutely through the window. so. Yeah. Yep, yep. Somebody's got to be pulled through a window. Yeah. You know? Yeah, so good, man. The humor in this never feels forced to no. me. It always feels like pretty appropriate, pretty humanistic mm-hmm. kind of stuff. 
mean, kind of like that first Avengers flick, honestly. It didn't seem like they were like pushing for the right. yuck yucks, but it's a funny there movie. There are good, funny points, yeah. Yeah, but it never takes away from the stakes at hand. Like, yeah. we talked about with the It Chapter 2, where it's just like, God, it's just so funny that it kind of forgets to be scary, yeah. you know? Yeah. It takes away from the stakes that are at hand. In this, it's like, yeah, there's there's people making funny commentary about the situations that they're in, but it never really takes you out of the stakes yeah. and the weirdness of the situation, mm-hmm. you know? So good. Well done and really just draws you into caring about the characters, which, again, is one of those things that most of these slasher kids in a cabin kind of flicks don't do. I mean, even a great legendary flick like Evil Dead, it's like sure, yeah. you care about Bruce Campbell, the rest of them, fucking there, yeah, do you there's not, give a shit? There's no message to Evil Dead. It's just like, this is... Like scary, these people are being killed yeah. and they're demons. Yeah. Like e- Evil Dead is Bruce Campbell ends up in a situation. Yeah, that's the story. <laughs> that's that's the entire trilogy. In fact, yeah, exactly. Bruce Campbell ends up in a situation. Yeah, and yeah. and we love him. And we love it because he's so charming, and we want to see him do whatever. Yeah, yeah. But I love how this movie is like making you care about all of the characters. Really, yeah, you really do. Yeah, there's no because it's not it's not one of those because. Normally, say, in a Friday the 13th movie, when the first person gets killed, you have really no connection to them. By the time that Jules gets killed, you're like, I like her. Yeah. It's like, why? She's getting killed just because we saw her boobs? Like, that's not cool. Like, but it's it's forcing into the open the the logic we allowed before. Where yeah. when we were watching a Friday the Thirteenth and a girl gets killed, like right after she shows her boobs, we're like, "Yeah, it's fine." Yeah, you don't right, think right. about it one second. But because we've had more of a connection with this person, saw them as a real human, it's like, "Let's." Why would that happen? That doesn't make sense. Well, here, here's another thing about this, and this is again one of those trope anti trope things. So if you ask anybody that was watching this movie, okay, who was who was the whore? Who was the slut? You're like, okay, it was, it was Jules, the blonde one. The person who's in a committed relationship with her boyfriend. She's engaged. Yeah. Like, in this movie, <laughs> she only goes after her long-term committed boyfriend. The virgin is the one who's having sex with her professor. I know. Yeah. Exactly. So it's like, again, it's playing with these expectations of what you think these characters are. And Jules wasn't even blonde before the movie starts. And she never even has sex with anybody. No. Anybody in the movie. Yeah. It's, it, that, I think it does perfectly that by, by subverting each of those characters, it makes us remember like, oh yeah, it's not cool that they die. It's not cool that this particular type of character dies or that particular type of character dies because none of them are that. Yeah, Unless exactly. it's a real bad movie, none of the characters exactly fit. Which, again, that's a Marty line. We are not who we are. Exactly. Yeah, he's, he's, he's recognizing that people are acting different than they normally would. Yeah. And so I feel like maybe at the end, this is why I think like it's not it's not entirely clear that it's the destruction of humanity at the end for me, because I think maybe at the end it could be the ancient ones being like, okay, like that old way of doing it is boring. Like I'm done with this. I want to leave this cabin, this place where they entertain me. I want to leave it because I'm bored with them telling me the same old story. Okay. Maybe it could be that possible. Yeah, I yeah. mean that—that's a different 
looks than my thing where it's like fans threw temper tantrums right. if yeah, they don't exactly. get their normal yeah. sacrifices. I mean, yeah, it, it but could it could be that. Simultaneously be both. Yeah, they hmm. don't know what they're going for. And that, that I think is why they think the ending is so perfect and don't want to make a sequel because it's so ambiguous. I would much you rather they several make different a sequel. Ways. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd like if these guys made another flick. Oh, yeah, if they made another movie together. <laughs> awesome. I'd watch that. Yeah. Oh, totally, yeah. yeah. But I don't know that I necessarily need to see this universe continue mm. on or this yeah. narrative and stuff I'd, I, I, be, I'd be fine with it just being what it is if you want to i mean drew goddard has moved outside of horror he i, I talked about bad times at el royale which oh, i think is a good that. movie right. yeah, he, yeah he did that so yeah I, I think they've both moved moved past this but if they ever did in the future come back and be like let's just make another horror movie I wouldn't want it to be a sequel to this, but if no. it was in the same universe in some way, not like no, no very obvious nod to it, but just like tiny Easter eggs, maybe that you could then start to be like, wait a second, same universe. Yeah, that can actually, that, that could be yeah, fun. That could be cool. Yeah. What do you think about the soundtrack and stuff in this? Oh, I think so it's great. Good. This is by David Julian. We have talked about him before with The Descent. He did the dis- the score on The Descent. Which we love. Yeah, Neil Marshall's awesome. The Descent. Great movie. He He's known for his work on Christopher Nolan films, though. I think oh, he's, shit. I think he's boy done. Yeah, yeah. He, he's probably responsible for the... Blah, blah. Yeah. <laughs> so he, he's, he's still kicking, but this guy i think he did a good job in this because it's kind of understated it is we get we get like some you know actual songs but most of what he does is like real good ambience type of stuff that's not really intruding on the moment until the end where it gets kind of more like like it's a little bit more epic towards the end yeah I think I think he did a great job with it. Well, that's Sounds the thing good. is like the 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 soundtrack stuff that's happening to the kids in the cabin is almost more tropey, stereotypical yes. horror movie score mm-hmm. stuff. And then whenever it gets towards the very end of the movie, just kind of like the opening credits, it almost seems to have this more like ancient, like tribal, yes, big boomy thumping exactly. drums and that kind of thing. It seems to tap into more like the real situation at hand, not the stuff that's happening in a horror movie with kids in a cabin. Well, and and like we've talked about it a million times, but the things that we're afraid of today are the things people were afraid of when they were living in caves are the things people were afraid of when we were Neanderthals that we're, our fears have gotten more complicated, but just as simple. We may be afraid of taxes or running out of money or whatever, but it's all a fear of death. It's all, yeah, because if I don't have enough money, then I die. I I die. Yeah. Yeah. I have to live on the street until I die. Yeah. I'll starve to death. Yeah. I won't get my medicine. Exactly. I'll die. All of our fears go back to that. Yeah. What's in the dark? What's going to kill me? How can I keep living? So those early <laughs> dancing around the fire, banging drums, just trying to... It resonates with us still. Yeah. Yeah. It's still very relevant. Yeah. I'll say, too, I think this movie looks great. <laughs> so good. It's a really great looking movie that has so many different kind of, um, you know, let's say like scenarios of lighting and stuff. Or like you yes. said, when they're in the office, it's this very harsh fluorescent mm-hmm. office light. Yeah. And then meanwhile, the kids in the cabin look like they're in a different movie entirely. The lighting is very dramatic. There's fog and smoke machines everywhere and there's moonlight and it's all done equally well, you know? 
Yeah, and and the thing that we expect from the cabin is that it's going to have perfect horror lighting and all these other por- perfect horror elements because that's what they're setting up. Yeah. I mean, that's what they're showing to the ancient god and that's what the ancient gods want. So to to see it and be like, well, why would it be like so perfectly horror? Well, they've worked at it for years and years and yeah, years to, to make it the ancient ones. To re- yeah, because that's what they wanted. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, uh, yeah I mean, it, but the thing is, if you live in a world, say the real world that we currently live in, anytime I've gone to a cabin, I didn't have any fear that I was going to be murdered by things in the woods. No. It's not a real consistent fear people have. It's just a way of taking you out of the world and saying you're separated from everything. You can't get anywhere else. Yeah. And now this is happening. And that, yeah, that, I mean, that's again, this fear of the unknown at the end of the day. Yeah. I mean, that's what the strangers does so perfectly. And we really need to do that movie because it's so good. Oh God. It's just that real sense of being just far enough away from everything else. And running into the wrong people. Well, I mean, The Shining does that. Yeah. Fucking Black Oak's Daughter does mm-hmm. that. The Witch does that. Yeah. Like, all of our favorite movies do all that. All of our favorite movies are just outside of society. You're, you're just that alone. Yeah. You're just, just out of your element, enough alone. Just out of your comfort zone. Mm-hmm. Just barely fucked. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's a really great looking movie. Soundtrack, sound effects, sound design. Everything is fantastic. Man, the, the the big scene where all the monsters get loose in <laughs> so the facility good. and that so good. Dude, and that elevator room just turns into a blood bucket. Yeah, and they're just behind the, that bulletproof glass just watching it all happen. Oh, it's so oh. badass, dude. And I love even the designs of the... Uh, the, the zombie families of Buckners, right? The Buckners, The yeah. Buckners. Mm-hmm. I love their designs with like one of them has the belly full of coals they talked about in yes. the diary. Yeah. The, it took the, me a time or two watching it to notice yeah, that. Patience is missing the arm. Yeah. Like they, they set up how they're going to look. And then when we see them, it's like, yep. Lives up to all of it. it. And they got that like black blood yeah. that oozes out of them and stuff. And, and like they're kind of working off of the hills have eyes type of trope there in fact i mean like it would be insane to go through and list all the different references oh god yeah easter eggs to this but yeah evil dead is definitely the most mm-hmm. referenced yeah. one yeah for sure the cellar door opening mm-hmm. up and all, all that, that stuff is very much evil Dead. straight up out of evil dead yeah. yeah yeah man this is one of those flicks that i have watched so many freaking times since it came out and I don't ever foresee myself getting bored of it or being like, eh, we've seen that. Let's watch something else. Yeah. It's just such an enjoyable ride because it pays homage to so many of the things that I love while also toying around with the ideas of completely flipping them on their head and exploring them from a different angle. And like I said, it's all done with that levity and that great soundtrack and the great special effects and so many cool Easter eggs for horror fans. Yeah. This is one that I will watch forever. This is one of my favorite horror flicks. I mean, honestly, it's kind of a stretch to call it a horror flick because it's not necessarily scary, but I feel like it's about horror flicks. Yeah, I mean, it it has all the tropes of horror and hits all the the points, but it's... But at the same time, since you know that it's all being forced upon these people, it never feels scary. Yeah, you never really get 
into the fear of it. Yeah, because yeah. you know it's all by design. Yeah. You know, you know the design of this thing is to get these kids, get them acting dumb so that yeah. they can be killed and sacrificed. Which is I mean, itself a commentary saying like, okay, so when you watch those horror movies, why? Why are you yeah, watching them? It's not like, scary. It's you not know scary. this is by design. Yeah. It's built this way, you know? Mm. Yeah, which again is kind of a, a deeper commentary on where the genre has yeah. gone, I think. But like I said, I just don't know anything else to call it other than horror, you know? Yeah, I, that's, I, I think... I mean, horror is a catch-all sometimes. We Horror will take on whatever will sort of attach to it. Yeah. If it's way. close enough, horror. <laughs> this is one of my favorites. I mean, really, yeah. like I said, I will continue to watch this forever. Uh, if I'm going to come up with a, come up with a score for this thing, man, honestly, it's it's way high up. I think this is probably like a fucking like nine and a half for me. Also, too, it's short. It's an hour 30. And it yeah. blows by. It blows by. Dude, like, as because I was... there's no, like, no lull because nah. the lulls that would normally be there are replaced with the organization scenes. Yeah. So there's always something yeah. interesting going on, man. Like, I, I was making my notes and stuff for the movie, and I got up to, like, you know, get a beer or something like that, and I paused it. It was around, like, when they start getting down through the elevator and stuff. Okay, it's just, so like, starting to get yeah, real. A little over an hour, 20, 10 or so. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. I paused it, and I was like... Shit, there's only 15 minutes yeah. left in this. It blows by. The pacing is so fucking great yeah. in this because you're constantly, like you said, unraveling more about mm-hmm. what's going on while never being left completely in the dark going, now wait, what the fuck no. is going on here? It's entertaining. It's humorous. There's always these new horror icons popping up to get yeah. you entertained. So yeah, to me, that the, the pacing, I forgot to mention that earlier, the pacing is definitely one of the strong suits of this It flip. is. I think nine and a half for me. I... I can't argue with that and would completely agree. It's a nine and a half. It it nails horror in a time when horror needed to be nailed. Yeah. It needed to be told. You need to change. Burnt it's, down and we're up done with all this bullshit. Let's move on. And it, it worked, I think. Like, there are some movies before 2012 that would fit into our you know, great modern or great contemporary horror list. But a lot of them have come since 2012. Yeah. It's only been seven years within that seven years. We've had so many great horror movies released almost as an answer to this is boring. Can we make it better? Well, that's the thing that makes you wonder too, is like, was this a, was this movie a message to consumers or was it a message to industry people? Yeah, I think it's more to industry people. I think they, they made it accessible to consumers and funny to consumers, but I think a lot of the message is to industry people just like, this doesn't work. Yeah. We're, we're, we're going, we're punching a time clock going in and forcing out the same old bullshit. Yeah. We need new. And we need something different. Stopping being effective on audiences. Yeah, and the audience yeah. is not affected by it. They Such they know exactly flick, what man. to expect. Nothing ever changes. It's the same old, same old. Yeah, dude. Yeah. I love it. It's yep. such a cool flick. Like I said, I will watch it many, many more times. Such a great movie. Now, Steve, next week we're coming right up on that most blessed cursed unholy day of the year halloween seven more days till halloween 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 boy that that reminds me of a song i've i've heard in a movie maybe we should review it on the show next week 
Must be the season of the week. Oh my goodness gracious. We're going to be talking about Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, yeah. a loved and hated and piece I, of horror history. Yeah, I, I was about to say, I've seen so much lately on Twitter and Instagram, people just really going back and forth on Halloween 3. It's so still I, a point of debate. I think it's a perfect time to cover it. People really need to watch this movie for what it is, which is not a michael myers movie <laughs> it's a yeah. tom atkins movie yeah. about him fucking everything <laughs> in sight that's, that's what, what the movie's is. about it is what it is it's such a goddamn weird movie it's a strange movie i love it, it. needs to be i discussed. think that it's awesome so i'll look forward to talking about that on the show next week in celebration of all hallows eve sawin that's the one Halloween. Uh, it's one of them days where the dead rise and whatnot. Just one of those days when the dead rise and stuff. <laughs> the funk of 40,000 years. <laughs> well, Steve, in the meantime, where can they follow us on social media and give us you their money? You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Dead Lovely Pod. We got a Facebook group, Dead and Lovely Horror Movie Podcast group. Boom. You can go on over, though, and the best place to find us, go on over to patreon.com forward slash dead and lovely. The best. Donate some money to us. If you become a $5 patron, guess what, buddy? Uh, What? What can they do? You can help us decide which movies we cover. And for the month of November, a.k.a. Novampire, we have already chosen a movie. Not going to reveal it right now. You'll see the video. That's right. But the movies that we didn't choose, the vampire movies we didn't choose, we are going to put up for a vote. So by the time this episode comes out, the vote should already be up. Go in, vote on the titles that were given to us by our Patreon patrons and choose the other three vampire movies we will cover in November. Yeah, that's right. You guys help us drive this car towards the direction of some spooky, scary vampires. Oh, no. Bella Lugosi's dead. Bella Lugosi's dead. <laughs> that's Bauhaus? Uh, yes, I think it is. <laughs> okay. I think that is Bauhaus, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Oh, man. That's some great shit right yeah. there. I need to bust out some Sisters of Mercy before there Halloween's over, man. I need that shit. I need some Lucretia in my reflection. Yeah. I need it in my life. Well, you guys be sure to tune in then. If you like this show, uh, as we said, give us some money on the Patreon and rate and review on iTunes. Helps us out so very much. So hop on there or your you know podcast app of choice. Give us a review. You guys have been fantastic. We have been dead and lovely. And we'll see you guys later. Hasta mañana. <laughs> Hasta luego. Amigo. Colombia. Bienvenidos a Miami. Come and knock on the door. We'll be waiting for you. That song had like, I, it has a comforting effect on me. And I, I don't think I heard it that many times, but every time I hear it, it reminds me of childhood. Yeah. Even though I, like Three's Company was off by the time I was born, I think. Yeah, I was going to say, I thought that was like a late 70s, 70s early 80s yeah. thing. I don't think I ever once watched it. I've just seen a few reruns, but that song just like, kicks maybe i will come and knock on your door you'll be waiting for me that's nice three's company too (laughs) let's hang out